Oh yeah, it's time to fight in Vietnam, steal some gold, go on a treasure hunt, lose your mind a bit, get into a firefight, step on a mine, and say she. Because on this episode of Geeked Up Presents Netflix and Chat, we watch The Five Bloods. I'm Devin Barnes, and with me always is the Storm and Norman to this podcast, Liam Whalen. Yo, yo, yo! What's going on, buddy? I don't mean that I uh, killed you by accident. I just mean that... <laughs> I know, am I the ghost that's haunting this goddamn program, or... Uh... But what's going on, guys? We got a good one for you today. Uh, great movie that we got to watch this time, The Five Bloods. We talk about it a million times on this podcast, but... Uh... So many stinkers, and then when you get one like this, it's always just like a uh, pleasant surprise. To, oh, uh, yeah. Our latest you know. golden ticket to the whole uh, – well, I guess our latest golden ticket was The Wrong Missy, which isn't quite as high profile as <laughs> The Five Bloods. But every so often, we get an Irishman. We get a uh, major blockbuster here on Netflix and chat, and mm-hmm. we hop all over it. So uh, The Five, super excited to be doing it yeah. and as well. Definitely very timely. It's almost as if it's almost as if Spike had, had, had foreseen that there was a problem in America. Yeah, <laughs> much yeah. to much to all of our surprise, much to white people's surprise. You know, apparently, Spike saw this like coming, the, but yeah, only for like the uh, inception of this country. But you know, <laughs> but uh, that's right. Welcome to the show. Uh, like we said, this one's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, it was a long movie. It was two and a half hours. Uh, but it was a I two mean, and a half still, hours. A, think of it like this: a full hour shorter than The Irishman. So, <laughs> well, long, but we've you, seen longer on this goddamn show. I was going to say for you, probably an hour and 20 minutes longer than Banner Snatch, but right on par for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is uh, uh, right at your Banner Snatch. Uh, how, many, uh, how many alternate endings did you have to watch of this movie? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, did Paul ever one, kick the shit out of a Netflix exec during your, uh, <laughs> during your Five Bloods? Because... <laughs> Very true, man. But uh, yeah, the last one we watched was Bandersnatch, the Choose Your Own Adventure, Black Mirror movie. Uh, you know, I like this. I like my own adventure. My adventure being laid out for me. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. That. We'll get into a review later, but I like Spike Lee's adventure better than mine. <laughs> better than the one that I picked my own from Bandersnatch, but. Definitely For check sure. that out as well. Check out the five-year uh, reunion spe- or five-year uh, the uh, five-year anniversary special has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten a lot of love for that one. That one's uh, uh, been real popular. We've heard lots of feedback. All of our uh, guests have been back there for as as uh, little gratitude as they showed on the show. They've really all reached out with their support <laughs> in the aftermath. So, <laughs> and I guess too that uh, you know when we were on there, we had a lot of announcements that we're on like Twitter now and we're on YouTube and we're still Geeked on pods, Facebook. What up? And iTunes. But uh, we're also on, uh, I always want to say Pandora, but Spotify. We're on Spotify Yeah, now. fuck Pandora. All right. What are we, bears? <laughs> what are we, uh, 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 Chinese bears with, an, uh, uh, with a Spanish pronunciation going on? What the fuck is... <laughs> <laughs> female, uh, female masculinities, no less? What the fuck? But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we're on all sorts of different things now for you to check out. Uh, like Liam said, the five-year anniversary, If you, we had a lot of guests come back on. If you go on our YouTube page, we have a lot of extended interviews with all of the uh, guests on that one, too. On, uh, on YouTube, Geeked Pods as well. As we're still waiting to hear back from the Geeked Up, from the other Geeked Up podcast boys. We've been trying to reach out for them. 
We'll uh, uh, hold to making fun of it. We'll hold to all out making fun of them until a couple episodes go by without hearing back, and then we'll exactly. And then we'll start giving. But I guess no. Big shout out to them. Uh, Geeked up podcast on YouTube and Twitter. That's not us though. We're Geeked Pods on Geek YouTube Pods. and Twitter. And then Geeked Up Podcast, of course, here on the SoundCloud, as well as the Spotify, we're both Geeked Up Podcast. So mm-hmm. look for the one that – look for the logo obviously made by Andre Davi, all right? It's almost like we should get a website getting started here where we have links to everything. But right? if you go to a website, Geeked Up Podcast, that's their website, Geeked Up Podcast. Yeah, yeah we don't have one yet. Because <laughs> they already have that one. So <laughs> if you try – if you look Geeked Up Podcast on the website – you're going to get the other Geeked Up Boys, which like we're we doing said, some we're great stuff, but we don't want to. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, I guess as well, while we're making some announcements, I guess as well here on the Geeked Up Podcast page, but you can now check out the newest addition to Geeked Up Podcast page, which is uh, Big LW's Jam and World Podcast, my mm-hmm. monthly music talk show. And uh, co- corresponding playlist will now be available on Geeked Up Podcast and Geeked Pods as well. So uh, definitely check that out. Our first uh, the debut episode on Geeked Up Podcast features a special guest, Devin. No over there. spoilers, but um, <laughs> he's pretty fucking hilarious, this guy you had on. Exactly. You guys uh, sounded like you should do your own podcast. Yeah, we had great chemistry. It was really – Yeah, it sounded really good. But uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that as well as a playlist every month, which I put out with the podcast. And even the playlist this month has a whole block uh, selected by Devin as well as a couple jams thrown in there by A.H. And then uh, a whole playlist of all songs from movies as well as we do a closer look on the show and talk about it. But iconic songs that you most know from movies – I guess yeah. for Spike would have Spike Lee. I guess we'd go fight the power from uh, Do the Right Thing. Fight the power. <laughs> fight the power. I'm more of a. Uh, I'm more of a uh, he got game. You got game. Oh, great call! He got, yes, he got game. nice. That's <laughs> one really of those falls into song, our list of like... uh, of uh, made exclusively for the soundtrack as well. I believe. He got game for he got game. I think so. Fuck yeah! So uh, all right, great call there. But I guess check out that. But I guess that'll kind of get us into the uh, to Five Bloods as we're talking about Spike Lee. Mm. And like we said, this movie really came out with like a very relevant time with everything that's going on right now. Uh, now I don't mean that this movie is about a uh, super flu, but um, <laughs> yeah, I guess not the pandemic side of what's going on now. But if you, uh... but I mean, depending on who you ask, man, the fucking pandemic for some, but there's yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, a lot of and that pandemic stuff. is racism, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I was expecting a more dramatic uh, agreement from you there, buddy, but no, I mean, of course there's two pandemics going on in the world. We're talking about ra- spikes focusing on racism here in this one, and I was joking around at the beginning of it's like almost like Spike saw this coming, but uh, obviously it's been really one of, you know, Spike's main focal points as a filmmaker since he started, or, you know, uh, literally since Do the Right Thing and Radio Rahim and all that, it's just been like, this is uh, something that's always topical for Spike and always part of Spike's film work, and uh, uh, just seemingly very, you know, coincidental when something like this happens with the Spike Lee movie, but it's 
fucking Spike Lee, and race is a huge part in our country. It's usually so it's always going to seem like that. Absolutely, you know? I mean, really, like on the page, this is a like a war movie kind of uh, adventure film. You'd almost say, but really, at its core, it's like a civil rights. Like there's a lot going on here for um, sure. Uh, we'll kind so of get so into that later on. We'll get into some of Spike's <laughs> other movies, and we'll kind of compare it maybe to Miracle on Saint Anna, uh, Saint Anna, which is a more traditional sure. war movie, and other you know the diverse catalog of Spike. This definitely I mean, towing two, both lines. I mean, if I just get, get kind of get into it, but there's two very similar things in this movie and uh, Miracle at Saint Anna, and it's the uh, the enemy doing the propaganda for sure. Of, like, like I was going to talk very- about that later, maybe when we get to the movie. But is that like a real th- like a, that must be like a real thing? I mean, you know, real I think one hundred percent it. One hundred percent it is. I didn't even know, and it, not even real that like they were used to, like using racism as uh, uh, propaganda, like you said. But I didn't even know that there really was those like Good Morning Vietnam style radio shows where they were like they had their own radio stations in World War Two and Vietnam, like uh, doing broadcasts. But yeah, that's definitely you know must be a, a really true part of you know war history or those like radio propaganda against uh, uh, mm-hmm. for the black uh, you know mistreatment of blacks in America and all that for the black soldiers because that's been a big yeah, part I mean, of it. really talk about uh, psychological warfare there especially when uh, you know she's telling Martin Luther Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. died it's like really like fucking pretty hard for sure in the film but I guess another thing that it reminded me of, just talking about, you know, how Spike, uh, uh, it seems extra topical because Spike is, you know, it's always talking about this kind of subject. But uh, uh, similar as well to the uh, uh, latest Dave Chappelle special, which I guess has somewhat kind of a Netflix angle. But Dave even talks about that in the special about how, you know, police brutality and the mistreatment, you know, the inequality of black life in America has been such a huge part of his comedy and his artistic work mm-hmm. for the last 20 years where it's the same thing with spike where it seems you know uh, but in, you know when miracle on saint anna came out which wasn't even like a, a you know a racially motivated movie that was still the theme in the movie like you can't escape it for from in spike movies but you also can't escape it throughout american history like you said so it's going to exactly. be part of his work just like Chappelle, it's been part of his comedy for the past 20 years and then uh, i guess another you know uh, really uh Chappelle really hit the fucking nail on the head, too, even, like, what you're saying. Because he even brings it up as, like, he shouts at everybody. He's just like, dude, I've been fucking talking about this for years. Like, it's not a joke. For like, sure. In your face, like, at least now, like, people are starting to fucking catch up and be like, Jesus Christ. Like, Yeah. No, I mean, he has been waking people up, like, oh, you know, the whole uh, oh, awakening that's going on. Chappelle's really, like, you know, in 2000 with Killing Him Softly and the whole, they're beating up Negroes like hotcakes. It's been like, you know, he's been really uh, 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 enlightening people on this and making that conversation take place since for fucking 20 years now. And Spike's been doing it for even longer, you know, 10, 20 years longer than that even. For you sure. know, for So, sure. uh, uh, but definitely, for me, I watched them both, like, within a couple days of each other, you know what I mean? Just because the five bloods i was waiting to do the podcast and uh, uh 846 mm-hmm. was relatively new both super powerful you know uh just in terms of the relevancy of what's going on i guess the interesting thing is though one of them on netflix one of them not though has what's the story with the Chappelle? because they have just released yeah. or like like the mark twain uh thing is like from this year and uh, sticks yeah. and stones from last year was a netflix where it seemed like uh, Chappelle had like a netflix deal going and then this yeah. comes out 
uh, not on Netflix. We both streamed it on YouTube, and I guess I'll just mm-hmm. point out that the title of what I streamed it under was Netflix is a joke. So I'm not Uh-oh. sure if this was this a, a, a potentially a thing Netflix didn't want to release because I watched it, it's... On, uh, I watched it on Louis C.K.'s website. Oh, did you? Did he post it? <laughs> no, no, no. no oh, I'm that would be sweet if he fucking like. I paid seven dollars and I watched <laughs> <Yeah>. it on. <laughs> but uh, uh, Louis and Dave are uh, go go back. Though. Well, Netflix is a joke. Is, hey, Louis, uh, he actually talks about Louis in this thing or in Six and Stones anyway. He Six and Stones he does. Uh, the Netflix is a joke thing though. I wouldn't read too much in that. That's just the person's name who just posts like comedy things from Netflix. Okay, I see. Okay, so he's got but, other in like, his catalog. Said, I didn't even I've look that far. On two different news outlets that are like, Dave Chappelle secretly released a special on Netflix. And I looked high and low on Netflix, and it was never there. Like yeah, you said, no. I had to watch it on uh, YouTube myself, too. And well, I know it's so funny, yeah. though. If you type in 846 on Netflix, it gives you, like, mm-hmm. all the other Chappelle specials. And then as well, it gives you, like, how about Eric Andre? I'm sure you're, like, a black guy, you know? <laughs> Here's a couple Kevin Hart specials if you're you're looking for a black comedian special. All right, here we go. Well, we got Netflix has been doing along with uh, a lot of the other streaming services is right when you pop it on, one of the, like, the top categories you'll see is, like, black entertainment. Like, for sure. movies, specials, and TVs That's made true. by black entertainment. Which and I think, I think Netflix was movie. doing a lot of that. I mean, this movie, I think, was probably strategically released around Juneteenth anyway. I'm not sure about that. But I think that's what Netflix was doing, a little bit of a celebration, you know. And uh, I think around just because uh, in honor of Spike Lee, they were definitely doing like a you know black history film thing. Yeah. But they were definitely – and, of course, obviously the whole situation of the country. But, yeah, that has definitely been a big thing for Netflix kind of well, ahead that's... of this release. So. Like you said, the Black History, that's one of the things I, you know, again, without jumping in the movie too much, but it is one of the things I loved about this movie, too, is, like, all the history, like, shots and quotes to it real fast, and then it would, like, go to the picture and, like, show you the person. Yeah. It was a, it's a very Spike Lee thing. There's a lot of things we'll talk about, too. There's a lot of cinematic or, uh, sorry, uh, cinematography uh, things that you're like, oh, this is definitely, like, a Spike Lee movie. No doubt. I don't know anything this movie and sat down you showed me like certain clips i'd be like oh this is a spike lee movie it's yeah i mean when the guy from clockers is starring <laughs> spike let me guess who's me <laughs> but i guess even just to uh, speak of that real quick though that i guess even uh because we'll get into uh, most of the cinematography kind of things that we will talk about when we break down the movie but i guess just in the whole social relevancy it did have that as well black klansman feel where they like cut to the charlottesville virginia riots and like the real life top well even in this movie it ends with uh you know like black, black lives, lives matters margins Absolutely. you know like it cuts to 2020 you know current See, now I or 2019 or whatever it was you know a lot of that. I think a lot of that might have been like post-edited. Post, yeah, in, yeah. Like, there was a uh, thing, and I'll talk about it later. Because it wasn't George Floyd. It was Black Lives Matters, which has been going on for a couple it was, years. It was. It has. You know, so it I'm just, not sure if it was post-edited, but it very well could have been. But it, it also very well been. could I not mean, have been. You know what I mean? Like, it could have just... Very true. So. Because there's a thing in uh, 25th Hour, which is like not only one of my favorite Spike Lee movies, but it's just one of my favorite movies in general. 100%. But, uh, when the book was written, it was pre-9-11, and then 9-11 happened, like, right around when that movie came out or finished getting made, and there's a whole speech Edward Norton does in, like, the middle of the movie that was definitely made post-production. Interesting. So, I know the scene mm-hmm. you're talking about, but I didn't yeah, remember like, that, whole, that, that whole angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a uh, post-movie. Uh, it was made pre-9-11. And I could be wrong. I know the book was, because it's not in the book, but the... Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They threw that in there for a great scene. Great mm-hmm. movie as well. We'll get in the Spikes, I guess, uh, catalog in a minute or so here. Should I give us an IMDb breakdown of this movie? Yeah, let's kick it off before we get in the Spike. Let's uh, uh, kick off Five, our, our breakdown of Five Bloods. And we're all not right, being assholes right. and, and doing the D.A., all right? That's what he fucking titled it, all right? <laughs> don't, don't accuse me of, uh, of uh, uh, racial parody here, all right? Yeah. Uh, I'm calling it the five bloods. I don't, I don't know about you. <laughs> me and my friend Tomo, this Japanese kid in high school, had to go to the principal's office because we made like a, uh, a stereotypical something. Like, like we got accused of some type of vague racism. And it was because we took the Coolio Fantastic Voyage, Da Hood, Da Beach... And, like, it was in our, like, class project. It was, like, the hood and then the beach were, like, part of it. And our stupid <laughs> teacher was just like, is this what you think of African-Americans in society? We're like, no, this would be like a coolio, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> That's amazing. He probably now, had a whole also, bunch of other uh, cases. This also didn't happen to be the Halloween you were dressed as homie the <laughs> <laughs> now the homie the clown halloween i guess yeah we've talked collided. about it before but this whole podcast can go out the window when the the public knows of my blackface picture but uh, uh i gotta blame my mom on that one i was literally like in first or second grade when uh in living color was like out and huge i dressed up as homie the clown for halloween <laughs> and clown makeup wasn't the only thing on my face we'll just oh, say <laughs> But yeah, that's 100% true. This was years, this was uh, 10 years later in high school. I was up to the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, All right, good, good, good. So let's do the official IMDb breakdown, the I am Devin Barnes breakdown. Uh, So titled The Five Bloods, like we said, we're not just saying duh. Um, It's rated. Liam, do you want to guess it? Although this would be an easy one. Oh, I mean, we always, uh, uh, I guess, our main the line of logic here upon this decision is if it's, like, thought of as being Oscar-worthy or a theater release kind of movie. Uh, I guess that's maybe an interesting thing we could get into real quick. But were this this movie was, like, an original Netflix production. But do you know, did COVID impact any release? Because I'm sure they might have tried to squeeze a theater release out of this one. I mean, I'm going to go R anyway. We'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, Obviously, uh, it would have gotten, like, a New York release. But, uh... Yeah, you're right. It's rated R. Okay. Because usually the Netflix movies are NC-17. If we think it's going to be Oscar-worthy or a theater release, we go R. So this one was indeed an R. And we don't know about a, a, a theater release. You know, this was not you know, going to be... It, I don't think it was because there's something with it. It was presented at cans or cons or whatever the fuck. And... Uh, but it was put on a way that it was like a no-award presentable film okay so it was just like a feature of the festival or something yeah so it's i don't think it ever had plans for a theater release yeah Uh, i mean it was like the uh like the irishman like widely known as a netflix production so Mm -hmm. but the irishman even got two weeks of theaters you know but that was because scorsese was just just uh put his foot in his own mouth by complaining about how the only theater movies when he was bitching about roma the year before he did his theater thing so this year he went but uh uh uh, it definitely would have played in the theaters though you know what i mean like would have been a theater smash 
But that's what we're getting on Netflix these days. And I guess even just talking about Roma uh, over – at this point, we've been doing this show for, I guess, about a year and a half or so. But uh, we've probably done 15 or something episodes. And we've really seen the evolution where Roma was such a shock. That was our first episode well, right when we started right around last year's Oscar season or two years ago or whatever. But uh, 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 and, and we had kind of conventional wisdom was that they would never get to that level of, like, Oscar you know, nominated picture again and then last year we saw with Scorsese and the big you know just the studio budget high profile movie still with the accolades and this year we'll talk about it throughout the uh, list but you'd expect some Oscar buzz uh, in various features and yet again like a major studio production Netflix movie so for sure I agree man it is uh, like you said starting with Roma of like such a hot ticket Uh, Roma to me too was one of those movies where I was just like Honestly, like, I wasn't necessarily, like, really looking forward to it. And then watching it, I was like, fuck, dude, that movie was amazing. For like, sure. awards totally justified. And then... Uh, but even you know, Roma was, like, an indie art movie. house that was just, uh, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was just awesome, you know? Yeah. These are, like, real, you know, like, uh, not real deal, but these are, like, movies intended to win the Oscars and be the biggest movie ever. You know what I mean? Like, they make a movie yeah, like yeah, Roma, yeah. you know hoping to make a pretty little art film and it turned out to be a home run. This is like, you know, the kind of movie where you're, you know, Spike would be all over Jay Leno and whatever. Yeah. You know, which is, <laughs> Spike might have finally got to host SNL if we were living in a post-corona world. <laughs> Shit. Uh, for real, man. The runtime of this movie, uh, two hours, 34 minutes. So it's a long one, but... Um... You know, it was a... It's also a war film, like you said, about about what you'd expect, you know, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the synopsis for this, or I'm sorry, the category for this movie is an adventure drama war. Interesting. Right. I would have gone a Spike Lee joint. <laughs> that would have been my uh, genre that I would have, that I dub it in as a... <laughs> well, honestly, uh, I mean, well, yeah. And again, yeah, honestly, yeah. like it's such a movie of its own. You know what I mean? Like you said, like you watch mm-hmm. it for two minutes and it's like a. You but know. I mean, really, it is. You can consider it an adventure because really, at the heart of oh, it, absolutely. it's a treasure, treasure hunting movie. You know no what doubt. I mean? Like, it's basically, yeah. Uh, it's basically Indiana Jones fucking. Uh, <laughs> it came out. Obviously, we kept talking about that was new. Uh, June 12th, 2020. So fresh, like really, probably the newest movie out on Netflix right now. Um, here's a crazy one. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is? The Critics Rotten Tomato meter. All right, interesting. I mean, a lot of white, lot, 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 lot of white guilt going on in the country. You got to be a real asshole to give this one a Rotten Tomato. You got to be a politicized. But uh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pretty high though. I'm gonna give it like a ninety percent. Are you going critics or audience? Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people's man. I'm a man of the people. I don't, I, don't, I don't guess the audience. Literally after the whole Chappelle hundred zero scenario, I've uh, given up on the crit- and then ridiculous okay. six, uh, uh, let alone but- zero critics and like forty five uh, audience. <laughs> yeah, and the much more worthy twenty two percent from the people. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess real quick, just judging by my white guilt uh, 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 theory, definitely the critics are going like a hundred percent from the critics. I would say if I had to guess, you know, what I mean? okay. like they will Dude, do, they will outdo the people because the critics. Yeah. Can't be on record, like going on not liking this fucking movie, but and that's where you're 100 percent right on this one, man. It's the opposite of what it usually is. The critic score on this one is 91. percent 
fresh. Okay. The audience score is 55%. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Trump, Trump might win this election after all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's more telling than like him packing out the rallies last fucking time. Borderline of what I was thinking when I read that. I was like, well, I guess this movie didn't have the effect, uh, desired effect it was hoping to. Like, fucking <laughs> hell. Man. Wow, that really surprises me. Me too, dude. I thought it would have been like an audience. I thought it was going to be pretty much similar. 91, 91. Yeah, 100, yeah. 100. I mean, is that, that's officially rotten, I would say, by my scoring system. Wow. Audience score, that's rotten. Anything below 60 is rotten. 60, yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, yeah, that is a big surprise. That is a big surprise. Yeah, that one blew my mind, dude. Um, the official synopsis of this movie, four African-American vets battle the forces of men and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking for the main seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Um, about, right. about right. About right. When was there ever, were they ever battling the forces of nature? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they're just like being in the like Vietnamese jungle on a camping trip for the week. Yeah, is like never like, even in Forrest Gump, there's like the whole montage of it pouring down rain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, it didn't even rain. We in this didn't place. know if it was coming up or down. <laughs> it never rained once in this fucking place. Dude. Yeah, no. And to be, and to be perfectly honest, for like four fucking 60 year olds or whatever, they kicked the shit out of nature in that movie. Like they camped the shit out of it. Like they never struggled once. It's a great call. Like yeah, they were no, sleeping it's... like babies. Like they were <laughs> tough conditions, I suppose. But they were fucking well equipped for that, you know. Like a hundred percent. I'll run through the cast before I do the director first, because obviously we know the director is. But I'm just I'm only naming because there's a uh, some other people that could be worthy. Name the five bloods. Only naming the five bloods and the sixth blood, if you will, the D'Artagnan of the group, David. All right. So we got Delroy Lindo coming in as Paul. Uh, Clockers Jonathan, guy. Jonathan Majors is his place. His son David. Uh, Clark Peters, you know from The Wire, plays Otis. Uh, Norm He's a, Lewis, a Lester Freeman from The Wire. Correct. Uh, Norm Lewis plays Eddie. Isaiah Whitlock, she Jr. <laughs> plays Melvin. <laughs> yeah, and Isaiah Whitlock, she Jr. is the <laughs> enough said. You know who we're talking about now. We're all on the same page there. So, and then of course, uh, which got like you know probably the most big star and mentioned in this movie, but Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther himself, as uh, Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman, yes. I guess he's probably the biggest name out of those guys. But like uh, me and Devin were saying, the other faces are all very, very familiar, especially two guys from The Wire, Lester Freeman, Mm -hmm. and then the uh, she guy from The Wire, as well as uh, Delroy... What's his name? Delroy Lindy? Delroy Lindo, man. Delroy Delroy Lindo. Lindo. He's great. He's the guy from Clockers. He's in you know a lot of Spike Lee. He's in a ton of stuff, man. A ton of stuff. You would definitely recognize his face. He's a little bit of a Steven Root kind of thing. You don't know his name, but you definitely know him. He had a big surge in like the early 2000s where he was in almost like every action movie that was okay. like coming out of the time. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah one, I can see that. Gone in 60 Seconds, stuff like that. He was uh, for sure. He was popping up a lot, man. I'm going to give you the only person I didn't really recognize from anything was Eddie, uh, Norm Lewis, the guy that had the black card. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna. You're a big music guy, and I was just on, uh, you know, the Big LW Jam World podcast. Uh, let me tell you this: the main guys besides Norman, Storm and Norman, right? He were the guys, the five bloods that went to Vietnam: Paul, David, Otis, Eddie, and Melvin. Does anything sound familiar about all their names? Uh, I mean, since you pointed it out, I mean, there's 
Ovis Redding, uh, 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 Melvin, uh, Melvin, uh, uh, I'll stop you, right? Melvin and the four tops or whatever, like, you know, it's actually all the names of the temptations, the temptations. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they talk about uh, the temptations in this movie. I I definitely would not have, have put that together, but so there, it's a really interesting fact. They're all, it's all the names of the temptations. And then Norman, who was their leader, Chadwick Boseman, Storm and Norman, their, uh, producer back then who like produced all their songs named was Norman. Interesting. Yeah. So this is like like a, 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 a symbolic tale of the temptations rise to the... Yeah, this is the movie that tells you the time where all the temptations... <laughs> is this a Temptations biopic? The funny... <laughs> yeah. The very unknown story. <laughs> a very Tarantino the... style. I'm going to rewrite history and give you... <clears throat> and it uses the N-word a lot, so we're Tarantino there. So this is really... Well, you know, they're like, you know, a big uh, geeked up and uh, Netflix and chat favorite... Uh, Tarantino, but you know, since we're talking Spike Lee is the director of this movie and all of his films, you know they're like sworn enemies in real life, Spike Lee and Tarantino. I did uh, not know they had like a public beef. Kind of oh, hard, but sure. it makes total sense with the whole... They have a huge, huge beef. Um, one of the reasons that in a lot of early Spike Lee movies, Samuel L. Jackson was a big part of Oh, them. wow. Interesting, yes. And, uh, they had a them themselves had a falling out. Of, uh, you know, they're both kind of known to be very territorial, or not territorial, but like obviously everybody knows Tarantino uses the same actors all the time. So does Spike. That's kind of a mm-hmm. thing, and Spike is very kind of true. known as having a reputation on like being a little hard on people who like leave. Like if you like if you're not involved with the Spike Lee, Patrice O'Neill uh, would talk well, about I mean, he I like think... turned a Spike Lee thing down once and then never heard from him again. And there's kind of been like well, you know, a lot of it too is the scene in Pulp Fiction with Tarantino. Tarantino, like, writ for himself. Uh, I think Spike Lee has sure. a lot of problems with that. No doubt. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see that. Also, so I think he had not only that, I think not even because of the territorialness of it, but I think that's why he had a big problem with Samuel L. Jackson. Just being like, dude, why are you in all this? Interesting. Movie? Very interesting, what dude. As well, there's we'll also talk- a very famous story. Sorry. Uh, yeah. There's also a very famous story that Denzel Washington has sworn up and down that he would never be in a Tarantino movie. And even like confronted Tarantino at a party once, where Tarantino left the party yeah. because Denzel Washington was following around. I was like, "What gives you the right to like well, say you know, that?" Honestly, dude, it's like it's interesting thing because me and you, he's like actually personally, I think both like both of our favorite director. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it's like the the number one thing that we always joke around when he comes up on the show is just like the absurd use of the n-word all the time like it really has grown to define him and i guess Mm -hmm. even in the 90s it was a taboo thing but you couldn't get away with pulp fiction in 2020 you know what i mean that'd be a totally different thing and even got that kind of thing is even when you go to the midnight showing and watch it you're sitting that scene in fucking 2020 new york city it's like this is uh I have a theory with Tarantino too about like that's why he started making westerns so he could justify using that word. So got right, I'm getting yeah. spit on all the time. I'm only making westerns. I mean, even now. the whole Tarantino right. Weinstein thing, like the the skeletons are gonna uh, the, the the it's gonna collapse on Tarantino. Mm-hmm. That's why he's only doing one more movie. But it would also kind of stand. One of the things I guess we'll kind of when we get into Spike a little bit more. But I kind of look at Spike as in a lot of ways like kind of the OG of the whole great '90s indie film director whole scene because those oh, like yeah, he was a little I mean, bit more from the '80s. But he's like an indie film. All those movies are sure. like. I guess before, that was a big 
thing in the nineties too. You got your Kevin Smiths. No, for your, sure. Uh, but I could see him Don not Favreau's liking that. You know, Tarantino gets this huge money deal with you know Miramax and all that, and he's kind of the golden boy of the era. And his movies mm. were, let's be honest, overlooked. I guess neither one of them got have gotten much Oscar respect. But Spike does not get the. Tarantino's you know, won a lot for uh, best writer. But I don't think he's ever won a best director, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or best picture. No, 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 I don't think so. But uh, uh, and Spike has definitely been overlooked. But I could see there being even just some like indie film beef, you know what I mean, in the '90s. But uh, and definitely the whole racial angle is like you definitely cannot get around that, you know what I mean. So that all stand, that all makes a lot of sense. That all adds up, like you said. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, you know, Spike's got some ones out there, and kind of like what you said too uh, when I was doing the uh, category of drama, war, action, and you were like, "I'm going to call it a Spike Lee joint." To me, though, that like really go down with anything because, like I mentioned earlier, like the 25th hour is uh, it's a book I read in college. Like, I didn't even know that was a book. It's one of my favorite okay. movies as well, though. It's really interesting. The guy I, as we always point out, book, not much of a reader, bro. So the yeah, <laughs> the guy that wrote the book, David Benioff, is also like the head writer on Game of Thrones. Oh, but interesting. It's the guy that wrote the book. Wow! I, dude, trust me, when I like found that out, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, "Are you nice. fucking kidding me?" Well, I mean, talented uh, people. I guess it was. We're talking about Spike. I do have a. I do have one of our classic Spike uh, IMDb breakdown kind of scenarios going on. Should I just launch into that? Are we ready for? This, uh... Because 25th Hour is uh, 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 overall, before this movie, actually, let me just ask you, would you consider yourself a Spike fan? You meet yourself in a barroom conversation. Do you label yourself, Uh, you know, do you go, I like Spike movie, or, you know, I like 25th Hour, I like, you know. Absolutely, I do, and I would admittedly say there's a lot of his older films that I haven't seen and and I am going to watch. Like, I've seen... Bits and pieces. I think That's I've seen call. most of the right things, but like I'd say his more classic stuff. To be honest, me personally have not seen in, in a really long fucking time. I guess I've seen Do the Right Thing in somewhat recent order, mm-hmm. but like Jungle Fever. Let me just, I guess he, he kind of kicks it off in the late 80s with a She's Gotta Have It, which I think mm-hmm. was like a pretty big commercial success, you know. And then School uh, Days, which I think was like a hilarious as well, like another, wasn't there a hilarious 90s like bad School comedy days. called School, School days. days? But not with yeah, Spike yeah, Lee. Yeah, like a, That was Spike Lee. No, 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 but wasn't there another one? Like, I remember, like, a, like a, like a punk comedy called School Days Dude, or something. it wasn't that. When I looked that up, I had two movies in mind that I always think of when I saw School Days, too. Uh, there's the Brendan Fraser movie. That's what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Damon, where they, like, he's Jewish, and they, like, okay. you know, swastika. Was that an actual? Boy. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the real, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That's the other. That's School Ties, isn't it? That's School Ties. School Ties, yeah. Yes. There was also the other movie I was thinking of, and I had, it's Higher Learning that I was thinking of with oh, Michael Rappaport yeah, and yeah, Ice sure. Cube and Omar Epps. Yeah, yeah. No, that's another awesome. serious one. I'm thinking of like uh, 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 just a shit like 90s, like a, a Brendan Fraser but bad like stoner comedy movie. But... No. All right. Okay. Uh, 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 then, we, then we get into like his main peak of you know some of his real big uh, uh, hits as well as one of my faves, but in a, a stretch of five movies, kind of towards the end of the '80s into the '90s, he bangs out "Do the Right Thing," like definitive mm-hmm. movie for Spike. Uh, uh, then "Mo Better Blues," which is a great movie with Denzel and uh, uh, I think Wesley Snipes. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, "Mo Better Blues," then "Jungle Fever." Okay, mm-hmm. one of his biggest, uh, uh, you know, definitive movies. Then Malcolm X, 
which I'd say is kind of like his first. I would say that's his like his Pulp Fiction, if you will. For but sure. Another funny thing about uh, Spike Lee, and even comparison to uh, Tarantino, he did that thing too, where a lot of most of his early movies, he's one of the main stars in it. He's like one of the actors in it. Yeah, yeah, good call. You know what I mean? He yeah, yeah, for sure. In a lot. Definitely. Uh, uh, and I'd say, like you said, Malcolm X, really his Pulp Fiction. I kind of look at that more as well as his, like, you know, kind of uh, 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 not like I'm ultimately familiar with the box office shenanigans of these movies. But that's kind of more, I'd say, like his big, you know, big market, high profile, you know, real kind of movie that uh, brought him out of like the kind of out art house indie New York City filmmaker into like. For sure. I was thinking about this a lot today, too. And I mean, you got to consider the fact that I guess Spike Lee is really responsible for, like, the success that is Denzel Washington also. One, I mean, and I don't mean to sound like this fucking guy, but when you look at a picture of Malcolm X and then Denzel Washington, it's fucking, like, (laughs) like, how much they look alike. No, it's true, it's true. The casting is amazing in that movie. But, I mean, really, I mean, Denzel Washington was on, like, St. Elmo's Fire, which was, like, a hospital show, like, pre-ER. But what about Batman, like Glory they, or whatever? Wasn't he? Uh, that yeah, he was, that was a that. pretty epic that's one. Post, I think that's post like Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues, definitely. Oh yeah, good call. I'd say I was thinking you know Malcolm I mean? X. Like, I think yeah, Spike yeah. Lee's pretty responsible for like the Denzel Washington we know. No, for sure. So it's much good call. so that uh, even that his Denzel Washington's son was in the Black Klansman. Great. Yes. Wow. Which I was like thought was a prank. I literally didn't even believe for the for a, a long time. But I guess so. We'll leave yeah. Malcolm X though and get kind of back into a, a little bit more of like the you know lower profile uh, uh, New York City centric Crooklyn. Okay, uh, and then again, Clockers, which uh, uh, one mm. of my all time faves. Uh, then we got Girl Number Six, Get on the Bus. Which was kind of like a real uh, cool, just you know, simply made you know trip to the Million Man March, uh, 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 but like real low profile kind of movie. Then a couple of big budget, uh, 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 he got game and Summer of Sam. All right, Summer of Sam, written by Christopher Maltesani. Yes, Michael Imperioli, absolutely. And uh, uh, you joked around another Denzel one, of course, with He Got Game. Uh, and you joked around mm-hmm. about the epic soundtrack, but uh, as well the acting performance of Ray Allen as a sports fan, one of my all time, you know, well, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Shuttlesworth, of course, but one of the all time great sports movies. A little intense for like a sports movie. Sports is a very okay, you know, th- one theme of the movie, but. Yeah, I mean, for me, though, it was just, like, seeing that movie, like I said, like, 13, 14, and just being, like, expecting to see, I don't know, I was, like, more hyped up about a basketball movie and just, like, not the inner relations <laughs> yeah, of, no, like, for sure. father and son. I was having Mrs. Doubtfire flocking fast. <laughs> no, definitely. Bags. If you were going, to, like, I was going expecting blue chips with Shaq. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Exactly that. And it was very much a Spike Lee joint. It was fucking Summer of Sam with that with a, 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 a basketball instead of punk rock. But, Absolutely, dude. And but I then Summer of Sam off- was another really, really good one. Was that Adrian Brody in Summer of Adrian Sam? Adrian Brody, John Leguizamo, Leguizamo. Amina Savari. Great uh, movie. And then Bamboozled, amazing. I remembered. Much like Girls 6, I saw both those. Didn't love, you know... Wasn't a huge fan of Bamboozled or Girl Number Six, but those were pretty big, big movies in the nineties. Yeah, uh, uh, and sure. then uh, I guess uh, uh, the two thousands kick off, like Devin said, right around you know the post two thousand uh, post nine eleven twenty fifth hour. 
uh, early 2000 release, which me and Devin said. Yep. And that movie is just like so surprisingly a Spike Lee joint because, I mean, the cast is uh, Edward Norton, Barry Pepper, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Rosario Dawson. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brian Cox is his dad. The movie's fucking yeah. crazy. No, for sure. And it's just one of those dads. I mean, again, it's one of my favorites. That movie is literally like my nightmare of like, I've had waking nightmares <laughs> of being like, going to jail the next day and then like waking up like ah it was all a dream like, i mean i remember that being a whole mind fuck of a concept when it came out like i didn't yeah. know that that's how it worked that you could be out on and like dude like so you could be free then know you're going to jail the next day like that would be fucking brutal i figured just get arrested and then you're locked up until you fucking go away i didn't know there was like court hearings and all you know what i mean it was like mm-hmm. Fucking, uh, uh, yeah, uh, but you're right. And I saw that one, I'd say, not long after uh, American History X with Edward Norton. Like in high school, that was like a fucking amazing Edward Norton movie. And then 25th Edward Hour Norton was really, like, Jesus, uh, yeah. this guy's the best. And, uh, so does Colors too. Yeah, sorry, I don't even go on an Edward Norton rant. Good point. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll save that for when Edward Norton makes a movie on Netflix and we'll immediately get back <laughs> into our Edward Norton. But I guess Good from cool. 25th Hour, anyway, so now we're into the 2000s, where a lot of, you might think a guy like Spike, you kind of think of him as a more, uh, 90s guy as well. You might not, you might think that the, uh, uh, you know, catalog has died off. In the last couple of decades, but uh, uh, he's got a Twenty Fifth Hour, a She Hate Me, uh, uh, then a couple of uh, 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 kind of much likes Twenty Fifth Hour. Hate me. Is that the uh, sister of the guy from the XFL? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, I've got no idea what that what that one is, but uh, uh, then a couple more ones like Twenty Fifth Hour that you might be surprised are Spike Lee joints, but Inside Man and Miracle Amazing. on Saint Anna, which we'll get into later as a war movie. Uh, you know, as we compare it with The Five Bloods, which we will at some point talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, uh, then a couple uh, 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 another New York centric run, Red Hooks summer where he's back in brooklyn where seriously like he this guy likes brooklyn more than fucking a uh, wildberg loves boston <laughs> but <laughs> but a uh, red hook That's summer okay. uh then one that looks interesting although i'm not familiar with it at all but old boy old boy okay i was uh blown away to see that he directed old boy because he directed uh the not the i guess the remake of it it's a uh i want to say it's a north korean movie interesting I want to say it's a, I'm sorry. I want to say it's a South Korean movie. It's definitely an Asian movie. Makes more uh, sense, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's about like a guy who's been captured for like 20 years and gets out by like gangsters. And he but who's in the Josh, American version? Like uh, uh, Josh Brolin. Josh, I was gonna say uh, Josh Brolin, right? Like Thanos and Scarlet Witch are both in it. Oh, fuck yeah! So Samuel that's an interesting Jackson one to check out. That that slipped past my radar. Same thing with yeah. his next one, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Which I can understand why that would maybe slip past my radar, but by the way, dude, I just found out about this movie. I meant to text you about it off mic. Uh, It's on Hulu, I think. It's fucking wild, dude. Yeah, as wild as it sounds. I mean, think of um, think of Nicolas Cage and like the Vampire's Kiss. Okay. (laughs) It's fucking like that right, kind of right. like wacky. Nice, dude. nice. So I guess uh, much like old boy, we'll have to backtrack. We'll have to back catalog. Uh, Defy the uh, sweet blood of Jesus. Uh, okay, and mm. then his last couple ones, though, uh, kind of back into more some social relevancy and some uh, pretty big success with Chirac. And then, uh, I guess last year's or two years ago, whatever it was, but of course, The Black Klansman, which was, uh, you know, nominated for the uh, Best Picture. And then this Black year. Klansman. 
Black yep. Klansman was great. Uh, Chirac, you couldn't pay me to fucking see. Only because uh, <laughs> Nick Cannon, dude, is like one of the stars of it, dude. Okay, yes. I'm not, I, I didn't see Chirac myself, but I know that that was like a... I, I, I had at least heard of that one on like a Red Hook Summer Old Boy or Sweet Blood of Jesus. But, um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Black Klansman, yeah, and as well, uh, really enjoyed, definitely, you know, much com- uh, critical success, commercial success, all that. So, Did you... Uh, 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 I mean, getting into this too. Did you recognize uh, any clans members in this from Black Klansmen in this movie? Oh, good call. I had not thought about it at, uh, at all, but there was no Denzel Jr. or Adam Driver, so I guess uh, I forget about everybody else. But it was the uh, two white guys in Lamb. Okay, wow. Those guys were, were in uh... like the one guy, the skinnier one, was like a main guy. Yes. He now that like you mentioned it, I do remember one. that guy. Yes. Oh, very interesting. Was the fat guy Klansman? Was the fat guy? Yeah. Like, As we'll get into later in this movie, he's just the entire movie, just a fat shit that does nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they literally just wrote that guy in as like, but uh, uh, so I but guess he, uh, pretty epic catalog of work though. For uh, as we'll get into, totally snubbed by the by the stupid Academy for his entire career. As I think uh, the Black Clans, one of the big stories was that was you know one of uh, that would have been his chance for his first uh, uh, you know best director award. I think it, he was the irony too was that he was nominated for uh i want to say do the right thing yeah you'd think lost, so but lost to uh he lost to driving miss daisy okay and then yes. this time he was nominated again for black Klansman and lost to like the reimagining the green book. i believe of driving miss daisy it was the green book <laughs> yeah yeah great call but uh, uh, uh <laughs> when you put all things together though pretty epic catalog of work and then again well this one i'm sure we'll get back into some oscar buzz you know what i mean you wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. to have him two in a row nominated for best picture as well as some other greats along the way like we've uh, uh, raved about 25th hour mo better blues is an all-time great like i said clockers i love uh, miracle on saint anna another more traditional war movie was great uh, 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 so just a, a you know a great catalog, a diverse catalog, uh, a really strong you know spanning from you know the late '80s to 2020. Uh, as well, he's had you know some success with uh, uh, some big documentaries. He's actually done a bunch of comedy stuff. As he was the uh, he's done uh, a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah, a uh, king of comedy, done... kings of comedy, of course. Mm-hmm. But as well, he's done a, a Cat Williams, uh, Jared Carmichael. Uh, uh, surprisingly, he would have been perfect for 846 by Chappelle, but uh, him and Absolutely. Chappelle haven't collabed yet. But um, he's also done a lot of music videos too, a lot of like music stories. Uh, for sure, yeah, he's, he's in perhaps the most uh, like the brainchild of perhaps the most famous like pop culture advertising campaign ever with the whole Air Jordan. It's got to be the shoes. You know, uh, dude, which no, is yeah, another like, one of the things that I love about Spike. And for me, just growing up, as we've talked about on the show, but as a huge sports fan, I mean, to me, Spike is like an icon of sports, like literally being really like the most forefront celebrity, true super fan on the fucking court talking shit to Jordan well, and Reggie I Miller mean, in a Brooklyn Dodgers was. jersey. The guy's epic. You know what I mean? Like, just he was. But like with everything that happened with him, like fucking like what were they telling him he went through the wrong door? Yes. Like, if he I mean, yeah. Yeah, he'll be back though. I mean, the the garden ownership is crazy, dude. No, I know he was, dude. Did you see him on ESPN? He was like almost crying, and he was fucking pissed, and rightfully so. That's fucking wild, dude. But dude, everybody hates that guy so much. 
the owner of the uh, the Knicks, yeah, James Dolan. That like true. he's just like people just fucking raving on that guy all the time. So he flips out and does these asinine things. But like he'll I mean, go he'll go cowering back and let Spike in one hundred percent. Like the fans would go yeah, nuts. If, He'd be crazy fucking not to, especially like now, like for sure. If anybody wants not buddy. to get not to get into sports talk, but if anybody wants to publicly support the Knicks, they should be thanking. They should be on their hands and knees thanking them for fucking showing up to those games. They've sucked for mm-hmm. twenty years, and Spike's been like the so loyal fan, you know. Yeah, the Lakers got all the good celebrities. Like you <laughs> yeah, got seriously. one big celebrity, and it's Spike Lee. Like, like, the Clippers oh, have more uh, celebs, and especially, dude. Again, not to get into sports, but with the Nets moving to Brooklyn in his backyard, it's like everybody already thought Spike was gonna jump ship just because he's Mister Brooklyn, and now they had their own team. And Spike was like, "Fuck that! I'm a Knicks fan. I'd never do that," you know. And now they're yeah, like, like, they're like trying to force true, him. Like any true sports fan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so like you said, though, he's done, you know, music videos, comedy specials, documentaries as well. You know, uh, uh, there was a no, big Jim Brown, Katrina. He's like, he's done everything at a super well, the high. The Broke is an amazing documentary, dude. Yes. About it's a for fucking... sure. Great uh, HBO piece there. Like a four-part, so, yeah. Yep. So just really all in all, you know what I mean? One of the all-time greats. And when he really sinks his teeth into into something and Spike at his best does it better than just about anybody. And uh, uh, I feel in a lot of ways, well, I guess that'll get us into the five bloods. But in a lot of ways, I feel this is some of his best work at just blending the uh, social relevancy and, you know, a good movie all together. That's kind of what mm-hmm. he's going for with the five bloods, which uh, uh, I guess we can kind of should we just kick it off and get into it. Get right into this one? All right. So here's our official breakdown of the five bloods. Right, so the Five Bloods. It already starts with a very like Spike Lee esque thing, where it kind of starts with a lot of like Black history. Uh, it brings up certain people, yeah, like a it, montage like, of Muhammad Ali speaking and cuts mm-hmm. of you know historical Black figures and whatnot. Correct, and this is something you'll find out throughout the movie too. That like whenever they reference an African American history, it'll cut to like a picture or a. Uh, video clip of like what they're actually talking about yeah yeah okay so i guess then the idea is really these four uh vietnam vets these four vietnam vets all meet up in like a hotel in vietnam all right this is when you're first meeting uh paul otis eddie and melton okay yes this is the group uh uh, these are the main uh, the main characters Meeting Correct. up, you know, in in a present day Vietnam, at a, at like a resort hotel. Yeah, and it looks awesome. Yeah, that like, even has like. Hilarious... Place, I was like, dude, I want to visit. He's drinking like a red tropical drink. He's drinking like straw. an Agent Orange cocktail and like hilarious yeah, exactly. like Nam themed uh, nightclubs and stuff. Dude, their opening walk, their like Reservoir Dogs style opening walk through the dance club is one of dude, the greatest was, scenes of all time, dude. We could like, bring that up. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up when we got there, dude. But yes, I mean, they were pretty that, much uh, there, are we not? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, more or less. They uh, meet up at the hotel. You kind of don't really know why they're there yet, except that they're all vets. They're meeting up. Um, here's a big tell at the very beginning that uh, you can kind of tell that Delroy Lindo, uh, Paul, is gonna change for evil. 
is one of the first things you find out about him is that he voted for Trump. Yeah, he shows up wearing a MAGA hat. You're like, all right, I know which well, one no, of these is going to be the unstable kook of this. Uh, yeah, I wonder which one of these guys is going to uh, be on edge the entire movie and fucking. But he fly says something about like building the wall, and they're like, wait a second, did you vote for him? And then like, hey, much like how what I was saying that like moments in history, they'll like cut to a scene. They joke around about he was the one black guy behind Trump holding the blacks for Trump sign. Yeah, yeah. And then they actually show Hilarious. the guy yeah, yeah. like give his name and like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, so they're cutting back and forth. But you're right. That was definitely some foreshadowing as as to which one of these is going to be like the lunatic, uh, the lunatic mm. nomvent of the group. There's a uh, that's one foreshadowing, and then I guess they have in that same like conversation, that same bar room. He's all on edge with like the these Vietnamese guys are looking at me, man. Everybody's staring. Like he's a paranoid nut. This entire fucking movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean honestly, the bar scene like they are they're all dancing to the dance floor, and then they're sitting there, and you see like the old like is the one guy from Kill Bill just like staring at him. <laughs> the fuck. And then I guess they meet the tour guide right around then too. That's when they okay. meet Vin also because Vin says that Don't the one trust guy him. is like his uncle or yeah, his yeah. cousin or something. He so shows up and they're definitely, you know, there's an anonymous kind of feature where he's playing and he's like, oh, my father was in Vietnam too. Oh. And there's just like a weird, you know. Mm. There's a- I don't know. X-Nay on the X. I don't know, buddy. <laughs> but there, uh, there's just a weird, you know, there's an ominous tone to the Vietnamese guys, all right? And then these Vietnamese guys are staring at him. Everything seems to, it's his uncle sending him a drink. Every same thing, uh, everything seems to be cool. Yeah. But That's what I, I caught from. It was just a bunch of ex-soldiers just being like, hey, man, look. And, like, you're kind of hearing that Vin himself is, like, a victim of war, that his old man had to go to, like, 18 months of, like, communist, like, re-education camps after yeah, the yeah. war. You know what I mean? And, no, they're definitely uh, showing the brutality on each side of the war. Mm-hmm. And if you're, like, you know, if you're already, like, a paranoid nom vet, this is probably going to push you over the edge. <laughs> i got to be honest. Yeah. You're getting uh, uh, aggressively pushed over the edge, but... As well, well I guess, point, they meet the uh, French guy as well, who's well, the I mean, other... First they, uh, first they uh, you know, because at first they're at the club and they're talking to Vin. But then they, I think at this point there's a flashback of, like, why they're there also. Okay, they first you know cut I mean? back, which is a cool and, way, uh, a cool flashback sequence. Because and they... I guess we should talk about this point, too, because it's... One of my favorite things in the movie is that when during the flashback and it's like them in Vietnam and it's Chadwick Boseman as like, you know, a young 30 year old, maybe late 20s. It's all them. Yes. They don't do stupid fucking Irishman makeup. I was going to say, in the age of stupid Irishman, age degeneration, and Will Smith and all this shit, like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a cool, super cool flashback sequence. You know what I mean? And every flashback in the rest of the movie, they don't do age makeup. It's them. For sure. Uh, them as old now. men back Once in 19th, realized, early 70s Vietnam. Like That that says how they were going to do it. It blew my mind. I was like, dude, what an amazing choice. For like, sure. I think it, it doesn't Brilliant. take me out of it. Because a lot of times with like that facial recognition or like that fake facial stuff and like the For makeover sure. actors like, it takes you right out of it. And then I but it also keeps you in the moment okay. where you're like looking at these guys reliving this war as they're back there. It really sure. hammers home that these are the same people that were at once fighting the exactly. war. It's like, you know. Some of the things I read about it too, because I thought it was an interesting choice. Uh, I thought it was like a really neat move. Real Some cool, of the things yeah. I read too said that uh, 
it kind of shows you that like they're not flashbacks it's them remembering being in the war exactly and yeah. when you have memories you think of yourself it also shows that they are still never really left the war themselves that okay, they are yeah, like, for sure. still living with it yeah and then one more thing it does is it kind of shows you just like because you know that uh, Storm and Norman dies, it kind of just shows you like how young he was when he died, like comparatively to like all For these the old sure. men. Okay, now, that's cool too. Yeah, really. Because I guess they do that, when like, they show up. It's called the Five Bloods in the hotel lobby. There's only four of them, and one of them mm-hmm. whips out a picture of Boseman. Like, oh, there was a brother, you know, Storm and Norman. So they Storm set up Norman. that he's like the leader, you know, and the, how revered he is by the gang. So, but you're right though. When they at first you don't realize that though, because they're talking to, to Vin about like they're set for their trip, and then or you know he's gonna help them on their uh, tour guide. Then they cut to like these old men in a helicopter, and I'm like. What are these guys going on fucking like nom fantasy camp? Like what the hell's going on here? And then it's a super cool, intense helicopter crash and war scene that you, yeah. as you learn what's going on. I loved it. I thought it was a great choice. So did that man, I thought it was like such an original idea yeah. too, man. And it's like good, and again, such a good directorial like experiment of just like you've never seen anyone else do this for before. sure. I mean, in a fl- out of all the flashback scenes, it's never been done. Fucking brilliant, you know. No, it really, yeah. It's like yeah. I've never seen. Yeah, I think it's just such like a, a great sure. move on his part. But then I guess from there they get to the French guy. They cut to them back in like the contemporary Vietnam. Well, Otis's girlfriend. Oh, I guess let's actually ex, finish like, off. We'll set up girlfriend. We'll actually finish off what happens in flashback Vietnam. They take him through the battle where the helicopter crash, and then the five bloods stumble upon like a a, a chest of gold that was well, set to pay were, off Viet. Huh? They were there to like recover a crashed CIA. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like bringing gold to the people for like fighting against the Viet Cong, and then they found them, and they're like, "Well, we're keeping this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly, we're gonna bury this in the woods and come back in thirty yeah. years, right? Like, uh, like come back any in fifty years. Right? Human being would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No good call. So they. Uh, 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 you know, show, set up that that is the you know kind of crux of the movie. Then they cut to them twenty twenty Vietnam, uh, Vietnam with like having a meeting with a shady French guy that starts off on the wrong foot. I gotta be honest. Well, with lunatic the Paul. Meet, the reason they meet the Roach is because Otis's ex girlfriend from Vietnam, or like you know she was the hooker back then, has like a kid with him. You know what I mean? That's She's true. the one that set up the meeting for them. Yeah, that's and true. They still have. That's a good point. They cover the point of like how they're going to get this gold out of Vietnam. Of course, you need like some shady French uh, exporter, importer. For sure, you do. Yeah, which is always like a, an interesting factor of these like high level crime movies. Like, you know what I mean? Once you steal the ancient artifact, what the fuck are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they set up the whole thing. They also do establish, yeah, like you said, that uh, 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 the Lester Free, the guy from The Wire, I forget what's his name, Otis. Uh, they do establish that Otis in this uh, uh, has kept communication with like a Vietnamese woman that he apparently has a daughter with that he did not know of until mm. now. It's not like, you know what I mean, He, uh, uh, she kind of su- uh, surprised both of them when she fucking showed up. That during... scene is uh, hilariously amazing, too. Yeah, because, like, jog like, drop, they like, don't pointing, even huh? try to, like, uh, yeah. They, yeah, they didn't even try to bounce around the bush a bit, dude. It's like, it's so obvious. Like, she just walks in, it's like, yeah, 
Like the dots are so connected so quick. Yeah, I know for sure. But so they established that, and then you're right. So th- and then this uh, Vietnamese woman has helped because she's included in the meeting. She's at the meeting with the shady mm. French guy. But uh, uh, they kind of set up the point though right off the bat, like you said, uh, a major conflict between Paul and this guy, which was very much reminded me of uh, both of me, me and you with our restaurant experience. Very much reminded me of the old getting into an argument with the waiter before your food comes, where it's just like, dude, like, how are you supposed to fucking trust this trend? Like, we know that this is going to eventually get back, uh, that you're going to get double-crossed by this guy. That we had this immediate, like, hostile, crazy uh, breaking of the ice meeting to set up the $17 million uh, espionage dude, case. And that scene, too, I was getting so mad at Delroy Lindo, Paul. It reminded me of uh, so much of uh, Vince Vaughn and Maid. Whereas, like, can't this guy just keep his fucking mouth shut <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just, like, let the plan go? And like, he's doing the old hack. Like, if it wasn't for us, you'd be eating snail. You'd be eating a yeah. sauerkraut with the rest like, of the Germans. Talking like, right, no me. shit for other than the reason that he's, like, French. He's like, listen here. French know, yeah. No, for sure. He immediately uh, flew up the handle. But yeah. uh, so that really kind of established. So I, I wonder who the uh, bad guy is going to be uh, as, as Crazy mm-hmm. Paul's paranoid about getting set up this whole time. See, to me, that never crossed my mind. I feel oh, no. like that was just the setup of the movie. It's like, all right, I mean, help them explore it if they make it out of the jungle. To me, it was like, like I said, I thought they were setting up an ominous whole tone around Van, and later, as we'll find out, as it comes to play, like it. it, it uh, a Vin, whatever his name is, the uh, tour guide. Vin, the tour you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And there keeps on being these conflicts with Vietnamese people, I guess. We had that one marketplace thing where Paul again almost snaps when the guy tries to sell him a chicken. Mm-hmm. And then it then says, you well, killed my mother, you killed my father, G.I. And like, so it shows a lot of current hostility and Paul's all Well, it just happens edge. a lot with Paul. I, mean, I believe that he had just had PTSD. Like the thing with the, uh, the crippled kid at the club begging him for money. Like, yep. And he was like, fuck, get away from me. Dude, no, for like, sure. I just imagine that, like, no, they established that he's on edge with PTSD mm-hmm. and like a bunch of sure. aggressive Vietnamese and being like in the heart of Saigon is not going to be good for his nerves. Nor is for the sure. Vietnamese jungle, where I guess we wind up Correct. going to next, or I guess as well. Yeah. Then well, they, they Paul's was... son shows up, though. Correct. Which uh, I... shows up. Yes, they make the deal with LaRoche that he's going to take twenty-two percent of the gold, but he can like put it in equities for him. And said so their company. Yeah. Then when he goes, they all the bloods are like, all right, fine, Jesus Christ, we'll do the deal. They go back to the hotel, and Paul's son David is there because he like found like his flight information was yeah. like my crazy dad. And they kind of established, yeah, they kind of established that he's like a hustler. Done. You know what I mean? Hustler kind of he was kid. A teacher. No, he was a teacher. No, but David, did they even said that he was there? Was he there for good or not? Because you know, David is a very he like went to character. Morehouse. He's a teacher, but I, then he like tries to steal the Air Jordans. I think they refer to him as like a piece of shit. Like I thought the dad was like, "Oh, my son's like a two bit hustler." Oh, yeah, but Liam, I wouldn't consider you a hustler, but I guarantee you would be trying to take those Air Jordans <laughs> off that line. Yeah, and no, I mean seriously, it's a crime of opportunity. I mean, it's an entrapment. Basically, I just think it's one of those things that, like, yeah, he was. Can't you be both? I think he was worried about his old man. I mean, he's been growing up, and as you find out about Paul throughout this movie, this guy's fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah. Right? And uh, he grew up with this guy, or like he was his father. You know, he knows that he's But he shows up for his cut, though. 
Like he shows yeah, up, he knows there's yeah, like seventeen million dollars, and he shows up and is like, if you don't like, uh, to, like he's like, if you like, uh, I'll turn you in. He's like, your PO yeah. will be real mad, like or whatever the threat was. But like he mm. like is extorting him for his couple million dollars. Sure. You know what I mean? So I don't think that I think that that outweighs. Like uh, uh, I think he's pretending to be there for his father's good, but he's just there I for the money. So. To me, it know? doesn't outweigh. I say, can't you be both? Can't you live in that gray area? <laughs> like I'm worried about my dad, but I'm also trying to get. I mean, not movie where you're trying to establish something like if they're trying to establish that he was good i think he would have been there like dad i'm worried about you like you're back yeah, in vietnam I, let I, me I just like you. accompany you with the trip i disagree know? because but this movie digresses i guess like, we'll play it out though we'll, characters totally are in yeah the end, i mean we'll move along that. because i think yeah, that I as we'll get into totally live in the gray. their characters change once the money is involved as we'll as we'll talk about once they well, find the money big foreshadowing too because so. when they finally take a boat trip out she uh Paul or Otis's ex-girlfriend gives him a gun and straight up says like, listen, gold's going to change people. For sure. You should have this gun on you. Yeah. Which is very important. Okay. That's a bit. Yep. That's an, uh, a foreshadowing as well. And then the boat trip that you mentioned was sick because they did like the apocalypse now bugs. The, the song from bugs bunny. Well, Epic did, scene by Spike. There's a lot one. in this movie that's very similar to Apocalypse Now. So much so that the dance scene that we talked about earlier, behind the goddamn DJ booth, it just said Apocalypse Now. Yeah. No I think it was like the name of the club. Yeah, that's what I was saying, actually. When it said the Ancient Order, like the club was like the Apocalypse Now or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so that boat scene was awesome, though. You know what I mean? Super intense. Like, it would go back between contemporary intriguing, uh, is the son in for good? Is he going to be double-crossed? To, like, badass 70s war movie. To, like, socially relevant. All from scene to scene, Spike's doing it. You know, it's like... Mm. Yeah, I mean, they really do go back and forth like that, you know? Yeah, but, like, it's um, just, he's covering so much ground, you know? Yeah, exactly, man. So then they like stop off of the boat and they're at the bar and David now has meet, met the uh, the French girl at the bar who like discovers that she's like diffuses minds. Yes, yeah, very uh, another fortuitous meeting. Uh, I wonder yeah, if the I, smoking hot French girl that uh, that uh, uh, disables minds is going to come in handy at some point in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know, you never know. It's much like Apocalypse Now also, where, like, Martin Sheen, like, just meets that French lady and bangs her in, like, a mansion, like, the most random <laughs> scene in the world. But, uh... That's true. Yeah, the whole thing, too. Because then, uh, Mr. She is at the bar getting all fucked up, too. That's the scene where they have to, like, walk him out of the bar. That's true. But then, the, uh, the two guys, the two, her two, uh, compadres who work with her are the two Klansmen from Black Klansmen show up oh, and yeah, just, yeah. like, start talking shit for no reason. Like, stupid Americans. Well, the one guy's talking about? shit because he's a French guy. The fat guy, I think, is he American? Or, like, what's his story? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy we'll get into later, but he just plays no bit. You've never seen a more worthless, like, hunk of shit character in your entire life, this guy. <laughs> Very true, man. Very true. But they finally then, Vin drops them off, like, at their end of their boat quest. They all leave, and he's like, look, man, I'll see you guys in a couple of days. Uh, I'll be back, you know, even if I'm not there. Even if you guys are running late, I'll be back, right? They uh, kind of go in the woods, start marching in the woods, in the jungle, rather. It seems all kind of just like a march to the past, you know? But then uh, you kind of find out that Otis has a dependency on uh, Oxycontins, they take those away. 
I mean, he They're throws all... those away. Bad move. All right. You're in the Vietnamese. And also, are you like, did they really establish he had a dependency? Or like, dude, we've been marching in the Vietnamese jungle for fucking two days. I needed, uh, my, my fucking feet hurt. Like, Jesus Christ. If there was ever more appropriate time to take a painkiller, I'd... It also didn't really add anything to the story at all at any point. I mean, I guess it kind of plays into his paranoia because I guess shortly after the... uh, But it's uh, Otis. It's not uh, Paul. It's Otis. But it's Paul's paranoia about, like, he's going to be double. He's a dope fiend. He's going to double cross Mm -hmm. me. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, it adds a little bit of defamation to anybody's character and then like that. Because I guess right after that, then, he throws away the oxys. Then, like, he's sleeping it off or whatever. And they find the gun Mm -hmm. that the Vietnamese lady gave him. Okay, now they wake him up and they're like, "We've like you're doing dope. You're fucking now have a gun. Like, what's your story?" And then Paul's all hung up on this dope fiend double cross. And you know, to me, that part too was almost like one of the few things I almost didn't like about the movie because it just felt so like neatly into that plot point where the lady was like, "Be careful, gold makes people crazy." And the second he finds the gun, he was like, "All right, I'm crazy now. <laughs> you're all. I'm keeping the gun." It's like, all right, look, again. yeah. That's true. The gun was like the the power. He definitely felt the power. The The money changing him, though, definitely. I guess pretty much what happens next is they stumble to find the gun. But remember, like, there's a whole – as they're stumbling right before they're going to get the gold, Paul is even like, well, I'm not even here for the gold. I'm just here to find Norman. And they're all in it for Norman. And they're like, the gold, eh, if we find the gold, eh, we'll have it. And then once they find the gold, they immediately start arguing about, like, what the split's going to be and all that shit. So yeah, much so yeah, yeah. that David, the one guy actually, is literally saying, he's like, you know what my mama said? Money's the root of all evil. And the second he says that, uh, uh, said well, mine dude, gets introduced to the whole thing. was so, like, the movie really takes a different turn then. Because, yeah, they all find the gold. And at the same time they find the gold, they do find Norman's body. You know what I mean? Well, so yeah. there is that kind of, like, deep moment where, like, they all pray around him. They let him know. He's like, as you know, your parents are already dead. We're going to bury you at home. Yeah. Your sister's waiting for you. So I think first, of, though, before they find him, they establish a little bit that the money is already driving him crazy. You know what I mean? He doesn't blow sure. up well, until they're after. trying to find the gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then they go back to camp. They have the gold. And then uh, I think it's Paul. Not Paul, but it's the one guy, uh, Eddie. It's Eddie that is like, this gold is going to change all of you. But, dude, just the way it was filmed and the way he was walking backwards and, like, shaking the gold around. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I was watching. I was like, oh, fuck. I turned the volume down on my TV. I was like, dude, this guy's about to blow up. <laughs> dude, like, there's yeah, no doubt call, in my for mind sure. that, like, something crazy is about to no happen doubt. here. And like I said, this and movie's got a very ominous shoes about to drop feeling the whole time. They're setting up double crosses that you know something's going to go haywire in this fucking jungle. You know what I mean? Like, you're waiting for it to go horribly wrong. Yeah, but honestly, to some point, though, like, I didn't really know how this movie was going to go. And, like, because really, the second Eddie gets blown up, this movie definitely takes, like, a tone shift where it's like, all right, now it's kind of like a uh, really has that apocalypse now feel where it's, like, pressure and, like, one of them's gone crazy. Yeah, and, for sure. Like, Big. Fucking Eddie blows up. They also show time. Eddie like a fucking uh, uh, just a head and torso. Like, <laughs> Dude, it was like a uh, in living color, like a mad TV. <laughs> I don't want to say SNL because like it was just like that For far sure. below. You know, yeah. where it was just like way too extreme. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was so intense. Dude. It was like a uh, very sketch comedy, but. 
But you're right. Now, and then immediately after the minefield explosion that this guy blows up, literally a second later, the hot French chick and her two fucking uh, uh, schlags well, show up. David steps on a mine, too. David's walking around. He's like, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So now he's stuck on a mine. So, but when mm-hmm. the, the the French chick shows up, the Paul loses it, and rightfully so. Yeah. It's just like, dude, I, somebody blows up. Now all of a sudden, these fucking three people are here with like claiming to be my like bombing. Like, wait a minute, dude. This- if you're Paul and you're already on the edge with PTSD, you just watch your friend blow up. Your son just steps on a mine, and then three random white people come walking out of the jungle. <laughs> There's no way they would have lived for one second. He was been like, blip, blah, blah. Yeah, dude. For sure. And in a lot of ways so far, Paul has been like spot on on a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, he's, he's crazy. He's on edge. But he's also yeah. seems to be like the most badass fucking uh, uh, warrior of this. And it, like no, when the movie's not. progressing, you feel like shit's about to get into the fan and they're going to need like a, 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 their soldier instincts to step in like he's definitely fucking on top of the game right you know but but he is ultimately going crazy he immediately takes these three hostage and like leads them up on a tight on they go through the uh stereotypical uh, they go through the hack french chick lures david into the woods for like the make out escape scenario Mm -hmm. uh 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 uh, paul (laughs) cock blocks uh, they oh, tie him yeah. back up, but then it was pretty much a whole plan by uh, uh, the other two guys from The Wire to overthrow the crazy <laughs> nut job with the gun, and they sneak attack and hit him with a shovel and get the gun back because mm-hmm. they were getting concerned that Paul was, like, fucking totally losing and at it. this point, too, one of the clan members from Lamb runs away. Okay, yes. And, like, yeah, during true. the chaos, not, like obviously not the fat shit that I've been talking about. Yeah, Who does the nothing? That guy's not running away. <laughs> yeah, he just stands there like an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So then that pretty much they kind of as as a, a shift in leadership, and now these guys kind of just lead them out of like the jungle to the next extraction point where they meet Van. They meet up with Vin. Vin, whatever. And uh, uh, they kind of, you know, explain, hey, where's the other guy? You want to make more money than you've ever had? Fucking pretend you Dude, never... that story is so funny, too. Because this cover story is so bad. They're like, yeah, he broke his ankle and he just wanted to stay out there. He's like, oh, dude, I can, like, call somebody <laughs> to get him out of there. But they're like, All right, look. <laughs> I know. Falls apart so quick. Wasn't the best cover story. Uh... Oh, fuck. Hello? Yo. Hello? All right, and as you might have just heard now from the geeked up break, uh, it might sound a little different too. <laughs> yes. Um, First technical difficulties after the big five-year anniversary. You know, we <laughs> I know. that hiccup here. Much like literally in our first episode uh, uh, sen- uh, uh, after our five-year anniversary, starting off much like our first episode five years ago. Where... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> technical difficulties. But, but Devin's internet went out. What, are you not paying the fucking bills, you cheap bastard? Or did that, yeah, th- that, did was, that uh... cat of yours fucking get behind and uh, uh, undo a wire? What happened? Uh, I mean, that's more likely. I don't know what was going on. I think, I don't know. It just kept saying my internet wasn't strong enough. We've never had a problem before, but. Yeah, uh, but uh, anyway, Devin's Zoom went out. So that's why he's now, we're now picking up on the phone. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. We're I'll also picking calling, up a day uh, later because it was uh, yeah. pretty late in the night to start dealing with technical difficulties. We decided to... Correct. Yeah, we're doing this a day later. <laughs> uh, you know, now we've already done the Zoom party. already happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've done our... Uh, uh, I guess we'll get into that on the next... Uh, this week's Geeked Up episode. But I guess, yeah, a lot has happened. I guess another thing I'll just point out that literally happened between us having to, you know, stop for the technical uh, technical difficulties and start again. But I literally cleaned out a bubbler that I have. So now before uh, before episode, before part two of this episode, I'm uh, I've just fresh, freshly smoked my bubbler, which was a stark difference (laughs) to my regular bowl of the first half. So. If uh, if you wonder what the fuck I'm talking about from here on in, uh, blame the bubbler that I cleaned in between the technical difficulty break of this. That's hilarious. And I sobered up. <laughs> yeah, and I guess on the flip side, Devin is no longer wine drunk. So I guess we're we're going in different uh, different angles here, but... <laughs> Uh, I guess I was the one that did uh, just listen back. I'm obviously the one that uh, that, that handles the, rec- the, the – uh, I'm obviously the one that lives in the pod, in the, in the recording studio in which we cast from. So I happen to kind of just listen back, and I guess we will pick it up where the technical difficulties kind of kicked in. We had just gotten the five bloods to uh, the extraction point. With Van, all right? So we've made it through mm-hmm. the jungle. We've made it through the minefields. Uh, the two guys from The Wire overtook Paul, who at this point is the only name I remember. <laughs> the first half yeah. I knew all their names. Uh, now I, uh... Otis. Otis, and... yes. The... Oh, that's right. They're all the Temptations, the of course. It was, uh... Well, I, mean, I guess it's important to point out that David also helped them take over Paul, which is kind of a big, like, son-betraying father kind of thing. You know? Yes. But that's even, again, we were kind of talking about the ambiguity of David's, like, is he up for good or bad? Because even that, like, they it made it seem like he was in on it. But he also, like, you know, Lester, uh, uh, Otis, and the other guy kind of just came from behind as Paul was, like, talking to David. So they could have just as easily pulled that off without David knowing. David didn't put up a big stink, but his dad was obviously fucking losing his shit at this point, so... But that is true. We didn't point that out. That uh... As well, actually, I'll just point out another thing that we didn't mention was the whole Paul tying up David and getting him off the, the mine. We had kind of like mentioned that, but then got sidetracked and didn't uh, uh, further expound on that. But Paul did come up with like the brilliant warrior technique of tying the rope around his son who was standing on a live mine and like helping mm-hmm. uh, uh, the com- combination of him jumping and being pulled off was like just enough momentum to save him from the explosion. So it was like uh, uh, his dad literally just saved his life. Although he's losing it, he's losing it like as like a war-minded soldier that just pulled off a badass like soldier move to save his life. So I'll throw yeah. that in there as well because we had. Skimmed that move worked very well too, because like we were saying, you know, like Paul does that. He gets the whole group too, like the three French people, the two French, one American. Lamb shows up. He gets them to help out. He pulls off David. He doesn't end up like poor old Eddie with just like a head. <laughs> yeah, but yes, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, 
Well, we can pick it back up with the van extraction because we did cover most of the jungle and the overthrowing yeah. of Paul and all that. So right now they're yeah. just getting out of the jungle, meeting Van and uh, uh, telling Van about Eddie uh, dying. Remember, there was the hilarious cover-up story with him, uh, yeah. uh, them like, hey, he broke his ankle. You know that Eddie, a stubborn guy. And uh, I mean, they weren't lying. I'm sure his ankle was broken. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. Good call. But... Uh, uh, so they're just kind of revealing to Van that they have all this gold, and right about now, like the uh, evil Vietnamese jungle jungle warrior, jungle guerrilla warriors, or whoever exactly, they, you know, because like, they tell Vin, they tell Vin they're like about the gold, and then they're just like, look, you want to make like more money you ever had as a tour guide, and I think Vin too is just like, no doubt, I can even help you get it out of the country if you need to. For sure. And that's also because that's a key important because that's what uh, La Roche, that's what the, know, yes. Leon, the professional, was supposed to do for them. <laughs> but when they're telling Vin all this, like, there's like some, you know, guerrilla war soldiers show up, like, I guess Viet Cong, if you will, and like hold them all at gunpoint. And they're just like, yo, check it out, give us the gold. We have, uh, I think at first, because they yes, also they have actually the have the French dude away. as, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the French guy that ran away, but I don't think the French guy, looking back on it now, uh, knew about the gold at all. You know what the I French mean? French guy did not, so, no, I don't think so. So I guess this kind of tells you then that LaRoche uh, kind of betrayed them, is what they're realizing. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely okay, yeah. working with LaRoche, but I think the uh, uh, the guy from Lamb kind of just got caught in the mix because they were, you know... No, exactly, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. But at this point, Paul, leopard. though, is kind of convinced. Yeah, so you're right. So uh, uh, the rest of the gang is realizing that it's – they definitely know that a double cross is in. However, Paul mm -hmm. thinks that it's between Van because he's all, like, messed up in the head about the Vietnamese. So he thinks that, like, Van and his cousin is are working together and Van is the one that set him up. So he does not trust Van who wants to lead the rest of the guys to, like, the ancient ruins – where uh, I guess like a, a, a firefight does ensue, and oh, yeah, said French guy from Lamb like gets blown up in a mine. Uh, a Paul's yeah, son like gets Paul shot. Shit. Huh? It's like Paul talking shit to the Viet Cong is really what it kicks yeah, it off. Yeah. And then the one Viet Cong like turns around to like attack him, and then like Paul goes crazy, starts like killing them all. David gets shot in the leg. Uh, the car gets shot up a bunch. Yep. So they run out of a lot of gas, which is why then, I guess after the firefight, they end up killing them all. The one guy that the Viet Cong captured once again tries to run away. This time... Literally the fat shit fun. that I've been joking about does nothing the whole time. He just, like, stands there with a hilarious look on his face. That's all this shit no goes. Way, dude. He runs away. I, was even, I wrote that in my notes. He runs away and, like, literally leaps behind a rock. I'm like, dude, that fat guy's got some fucking jump on him when it comes to it. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, literally takes, like, ultimate video game cover. Uh... But the other clan member uh, doesn't get so lucky. This time he runs like five feet, gets blown up by a mine. Um, at this point now, they're all deciding what to do. Vin is telling them, like, look, we have enough gas to like, get up to this temple, like abandoned temple up here. Paul is like, no fucking way. Like, you're in cahoots with them. I don't trust you. I'm going off on my own. And they're like, well, what about your son, David? You know, he was shot. He needs help. And he's like, not my problem anymore. Like, that yeah, guy yeah. stabbed me in the back. Uh, he's not my son anymore. Kind of goes on like this epic, like, fuck him. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So Paul now has, like, a machine gun and a pistol and his own bag of gold. 
And he goes off in the woods on his own. He's like, all right, this is wherever he's planning to go. Oh, he has a whole plan about like going up river to a village for, for 20 sure. miles. He uh, makes fun of faith. And I, and, 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 and I believe him. I had more faith in Paul than the rest of these idiots, to be honest. Because no doubt, dude. Paul has been dominating this fucking jungle. And honestly, like I said, yeah. he's been uh, uh, even dealing with the Viet Cong. He was like, or, you know, whatever these guys just that uh, had just happened. Like, he's definitely the one that when shit hits the fan, you trust the most. And I'd say that from yeah. here, what really happens in terms of the other side of... Uh, of the movie that Spike was making, the non-cool action film. But really, I'd say this is where Delroy Lindo's, like, uh, Oscar bait kicks in and where the movie, like, cinematically takes a couple of really, really next-level jumps for uh, uh, his soliloquies as he's just losing his mind, walking through the jungle, and then the uh, scenes sure. with, you know... Then the scenes right, with Norman the movie, as well, they do... The movie breaks up into, like, two points where, like you said, like... The remaining Bloods and Lamb and Vin go to the temple. Paul is in himself in the jungle, and like you're saying, it's like literally like one of the best. Like, so I guess we'll cover Paul first. And it's him walking through the jungle, like pretty much is like doing this epic one man monologue. Yeah. Of like just eyes himself. into the camera, like all fucked mm-hmm. up, gun fucking pointed out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was, it yeah. was awesome, dude. He, it was an of, amazing job. Almost kind of. Br- almost kind of breaking the fourth wall like it looks like he's like talking directly to us yeah no he is dude it's definitely you know what i mean it uh but in his head he's just a nut he then uh but is he though because he's still you know what i mean it's one of those like he's just and and i guess what spike is really trying to convey is like how lost in the war this guy is and what the whole experience has done to his mind and whatnot but like he was transformed he was that soldier and he was literally in that jungle but he was that same fucking, uh, you know, in oh, 1971, yeah. you know, third tour of duty, Vietnam, you know, Vietnam War vet. He had been transported yeah, no. back in time. Yeah, he never left, really. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. But you also get this flashback because then Norman shows up, right? Chadwick Boseman, Norman, Stormin' Norman shows up. And he kind of talks, he's like, look, man, and like shows him his bullet wound in the stomach. He's like, you know, we need to talk about this. And then it shows the flashback of how old Storm and Norman got killed. And it was because uh, it was friendly fire from uh, Paul. Yes, um, which was a coming. huge reveal and really caught me by surprise. I did not see that coming, that Paul was actually responsible for shooting, you know, uh, killed Norman. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a huge reveal. Did you uh, did you see that coming, or was that a big reveal for you as well? Oh no, absolutely. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, yeah, and it makes perfect sense. It was one of those like after it happened, I was like, "Fuck, dude, how did I not see that coming?" Of course, that Paul, you know, because Paul had obviously been expressing that he was a lot more, you know, dealing with the ghosts of Norman. He comes to me every night in my sleep, and like he was much more haunted by Norman's death than the rest of them who were all haunted by it. But it was like Paul, you know, was obviously dealing with it on a next level. Now it makes perfect sense. I think you were to assume, too, that they were the closest also. They stayed. I think Otis says that at one point when we talking about it. He was like, he's telling David about it. like, you and your old man, uh, Norman and your old man, Paul, were like the closest. Yeah, yeah. So I always figured that's why he was so rattled by it. But then when you find out that it was actually him that killed him by accident with friendly fire. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a huge reveal. For sure. Uh, and he, he never then, came clean to the other guys, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, no, he never, never told did. the other four bloods that that's what happened. 
but then the ghost of Norman was like pretty much tells him like I forgive you, like you gotta stop beating yourself up about it, like find peace. You know, it's more or less Paul finding peace with himself. Yeah. Obviously. But it's really sure. crazy too, because like at that moment when he hugs Storm and Norman, it kinda just like flashes real quick and then he's like in a ditch digging his own ditch surrounded by like <laughs> the Viet Cong. Like it never shows them like showing up. Uh, yeah, no, good call, actually. Him. I don't really put that so, together, uh, but you're right. He doesn't... Uh, uh, another ne- takeaway of this to me was while he was maybe even talking directly to the camera and talking to Norman, he might have been doing that all whilst he was digging the ditch and the Viet Cong was just like, Jesus Christ, like this guy's fucking crazy. Because then he started singing the Jesus song of just Border being confused like, Vietnamese guys are like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is, uh, yeah. Good thing we Norman? took away the gun from that guy because he would have... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good but call. Anyhow. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Uh, this is definitely a movie as we'll kind of get into and we give our little review portion later. But a uh, second watching would definitely come in handy because there was a lot, lot going on. For sure. Movie. Absolutely. Uh, but I guess that kind of sums up Paul, though, like you said. Digging his own well, ditch. Then, like, you know, so he was indeed... He's singing, his, huh? he's singing his Jesus song. You know, Jesus loves me. He's digging the hole. And then I think he gets, like, one more Trump dig in because that's when they blow, they'll just blow him away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, for no, sure. Because they, even then, the one guy puts the Trump hat on after they kill him. Who, LaRoche? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, that's right. LaRoche does have it. Yeah, because LaRoche shows up wearing the MAGA hat as, like, a defined statement of, I fucking just kill your boy. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess you're right. The one fucking uh, other guy takes it, too. But I guess that's pretty much it uh, It for Paul, though. Then kind of cut to uh, – we'll try to wrap it up here with the rest of the guys who were at the uh, ancient temple or whatever, the, the, the uh-huh. ruins of the ancient temple. And I guess they uh, – uh, I guess at this point have converted to you now help uh, – Van is going to help them smuggle the money out, yeah, right? Yeah, Vin, Vin says, like, I'll help you. You know, you're giving me a cut. Um, but he's, like, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, it really doesn't take him much convincing. <laughs> but yeah, you, know, yeah. you kind of find out. But you kind of find that out about his character, like towards the beginning, where he's saying his dad is his old man was a veteran of the Vietnam War. You know what I mean? For sure. And, like had to go to like eighteen months communism, so he hates like this whole thing too. Yeah, he's yeah, all yeah. about it. Like you know, he's dealing with his own fucking ghosts and shit. For sure. And I think if you're uh, dealing with like being, you know, a tour guide, you know, an extreme tour guide for crazy Americans that are doing something shady, like you're obviously up to, uh, you know, you'll be down for the cause when they come back with fourteen million dollars or whatever, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, not really twisting my arm either. Yeah, you put yourself in a line of work that makes it easy to say yes. But I guess they come up with the very hilarious, like, harebrained bait-and-switch trick. The old backpack full of rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that my yeah, boy yeah. Tiernan fell for for, like, a boombox when we were in 10th grade. But still works back uh, from, Vietnam, from Vietnam War to 2020 and everywhere in between. They all fall for the backpack full of rocks. <laughs> oh, man. That's why I open it. But I mean, that plan, that whole bait and switch, like, it just really served no purpose because they open it up and they're still standing in the middle. And I guess what they do is the blood, the remaining blood, David, Lamb, and Ben, they set up, like, this plan, like, all right, you know, you know, uh, the guy from the other guy from the wire, I wish I could remember his name. She. She. It's like telling him, like, man, this isn't my first battle. Like, I'm not worried about it. He gives David a gun who says even foreshadowing, he's like, dude, I've never shot a gun before in my life. I'll probably just miss. Yeah. You know, no, the French know, chick should have definitely been in control of that gun. Like, she was way more badass out of these two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
would have but made so much more sense. Gun, the fat kid is the lookout up on the roof. For how, <laughs> how he got up on that roof? <laughs> Good call, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, what are you talking about? But yeah, they meet LaRoach. LaRoach is like, tells him, like, uh, you know, I was in cahoots. You also find out, like, I was, you know, going to always betray you guys. Uh, I was going to betray you guys. As you all knew since the day we met, and uh, we, we had the most hostile meeting. Uh, I'm sure you've all saw this coming, so just to confirm, you I have been ripping you off this though, whole time. That Otis's girlfriend wasn't in on it, his ex girlfriend, the mother of his child. Okay, yes. Because he asks, he's like, was she on this too? He's like, nah, man. Yep, that's true. That's true. So you know, it kind of vindicates her. Uh, but it's pretty, like, so like, like, yeah, pretty much though. Like the, the big scheme is they have like the apparent bag of rocks in the middle, and then when somebody goes to collect it, they just all open up fire from like different angles. And, uh, you know, a big firefight takes place. LaRoche, in, like, a classic bad guy wrestling move, like, hides like a coward until everybody else is killed and then ends up almost uh, winning in the end. He ends up... He actually, yeah. I guess, he throws a grenade, actually, that Otis hops on the grenade. Not Otis doesn't hop on the grenade. She hops on the grenade. Or she, rather. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But he, uh, earlier on in the movie, actually, said that he would never do that. They were telling a story about it another guy doing that and he's like i love you but i ain't hopping on no grenade and everybody's like oh exactly. or oh shit and uh <laughs> so then he ends up hopping on the grenade which also didn't really save anybody because there was nobody else around however <laughs> i mean i it, think it's supposed to be implied that had he not have done that otis would have got blown up yeah, yeah. He, otis is fighting LaRoche. otis gets shot uh LaRoche, and then she comes like running out there like a maniac with a machine gun like pretty much has him pinned down i think that grenade would have I thought the same thing too. Like, couldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm just joking around. around. Obviously, it was it was obviously a heroic move, but it was you know. And again, we'll kind of get into it later. But this does kind of toe back and forth as me and Dem have been talking about. There's two different kind of movies taking place. So sometimes, like some of these, you know, continuity errors or, or whatnot are very forgivable because he's now you're like in a, a fun war movie. You're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like he's you're you know Correct. creating the epic classic war movie end battle scene is it going to be perfect no like the, you know what i mean but he's not trying to create the same scenes as he was with delroy lindy and the uh, delroy lindo and the you know soliloquies through the jungle that's one like you know style of movie that's going on and then the other is like fun action war movie so correct 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 so yeah basically the, the shit dies He's, uh, LaRoche is standing over Otis. Oh, and Vin got shot in the arm at some point, too. He's like, I'm going to hang back. You know, I got shot. I'll be all right. Uh, and LaRoche is standing over Otis. He's about to kill him. And sure enough, uh, LaRoche gets shot in the head and the pan's over. And David actually does have a good aim. One shot. One <laughs> yeah. shot headshot. To Beginner's luck. For, uh, it's like being at the track. You're going to hit on that first one, but hit some, yeah, uh, hit some right through the MAGA hat. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess at this point, it kind of just does the epilogue. It kind of sums up that like what everyone did with their money. Um, gave you the gave you the, gave you the Animal House ending, which I always love, <laughs> where it gives you the yeah, <laughs> it tells you what happened with everybody. Uh, yeah, some issues I had with that because Otis gives David a letter, and even like he's like, "Look, this letter's from your dad. He gave it to me in case anything happened to him." And the letter is very to you know it cuts to Delroy Lindo like doing the letter as a monologue 
in a very Stranger Things season three uh, uh, ending yeah. hop, yeah. reading to 11. <laughs> it was uh... a... <laughs> but at least, okay, for me, though, at least Hopper's letter to 11 still holds weight. Because <laughs> yeah, Paul true. wrote that letter to David before all this happened. He was like, I'm sorry, I was always such a tough dad. And like, I love you, son. But, you know, a lot of stuff happened since he wrote that letter, and he pretty <laughs> much disowned David. Like, hey, that's not how he felt when he died. You know that, right? Yeah, but he had kind of lost it. I felt that it was kind of unnecessary because they did have kind of that fatherly son moment at a point in the jungle. They had, like, a like clearing of the, like, hey, I know this war has fucked up our lives, you know, it's fucked up my mind, and that impacted your life. But they already had, like, a positive heart-to-heart in the jungle, you know. By the time uh, uh, he fucking ultimately disowned David, at that point he had, like, lost his mind and they're in the heat of battle yeah. and all sorts of shit, you know what I mean? So I guess just, you know, uh, uh, his actual, throughout his actual life, he had those, like, paternal feelings or whatnot, but... For sure. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a couple of things, like, how the fuck do they get Norman's body back? And also, did they leave poor Eddie's body there? Like, <laughs> That's true. They never mention. They never mention Eddie's uh, uh, hilarious body. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's a good call. Like, and they, they don't really mention. I was actually gone. wondering that same thing. Like, are you allowed to just uh, 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 recover bones? Like, do you, we, we don't need to get officials involved in this. Like, did fucking Otis just show up with a backpack full of uh, uh, to the TSA with <laughs> yeah. a backpack full of bones? Like, but the uh, honestly. I guess they did, though, yeah, establish that he ultimately got the, you know, hero's burial that he deserved. Uh, a tough luck for Eddie, who, <laughs> I guess, went out yeah, like a hilarious Eddie. fucking, uh, a hilarious crook, but... Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, uh, the other guy, one guy's from The Wires, Widow gets his cut of the money, you see. Um, another cut goes, I think Otis puts his cut to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, the French people get it from uh, dedicated to the lamb, the landmine thing. And you see Otis kind of like getting to know his estranged daughter now. He goes back and is like, let's get to know each other. Yep, yep. Let me teach you how to play golf. You're going to kick ass. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to dominate the LPGA when I... Uh... <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much uh, wraps it up for The Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty uh, epic. Ultimately, uh, we'll like get into said, our like, big what? review, as we always do in a minute. But uh, ultimately speaking, I really enjoyed it. Definitely, you know, uh, on, on a couple different uh, layers, like I said, you know, where it was a fun action movie. It was, you know, uh, uh, real intense, socially relevant, you know. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. Agreed, man. I, like I said, uh, 1.2, there was a point where I, I paused it to go, like, grab a glass of water or something. And I was like, oh, dude, like, I rushing to get back i was like i want to get back to this action like i was really enjoying really enjoyed the yeah. movie uh, no just- for sure that's why even like uh uh the uh, uh paul killing norman reveal was also so so good because it made so much sense in the movie but it also was like a fun like m night Shyamalan-esque like oh i forgot this is also just a fun movie where like i'm getting surprised and caught off guard you know what i mean it was like just really worked on a lot of levels you know yeah, no, it really was a huge, uh, like, big twist at that point. And there's so much little aspects of it. Uh, we'll get into our official review. But before that, that was our official breakdown of the movie. But before we uh, get into our review, we got to ask each other, like we always do, a couple of kitschy questions. Yo, let me ask you. Kitschy questions. 
song which means we're asking each other some kitschy kitschy questions and expect five more years of andre davi y'all as uh <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna vote trump out in november but uh, uh andre davi is gonna be with us for the next four plus that's right that is right <laughs> um so like we usually do i usually uh we've been changing up our kitschy questions as you've heard you know the movie theater is still being closed I'm not asking uh, Liam uh, if he would go to the theaters to see this. It's just not fair to anyone. And uh, there's no sequel for the Five Bloods, the Six Bloods. <laughs> so that's not the uh, question Liam's going to be asking me this time. We've been switching it up COVID style during this uh, quarantine Netflix and chat. So for this one, I'm going to ask Liam, uh, if you had $17 million in gold in Vietnam, uh, are you going back to get it? <laughs> yes, that's a great question. I mean, it's obviously you had to uh, it had to come across your mind at some point while watching the movie. Is like, would I do this? Would I go back to the uh, jungles of Vietnam? Too, are you going back for my bones? <laughs> yeah, I guess your bones definitely not. The seventeen million, perhaps. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up a pretty sweet memorial uh, outside of the AMC theater for you, buddy. <laughs> but uh, not going back to the jungle. To look, but I mean, honestly, dude, it does seem like uh, 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 it's definitely a question that you have to ask yourself. Like, would you be willing to go back to the Vietnamese jungle? But I guess I mean, uh, me uh, for me, I'm not much of an experienced camper, though. So I would definitely have needed to like take Van or like a, a, a more experienced group of like people with me. It would need to be a glamping trip for me to go along. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna be roughing it with the. Uh, uh, we we can keep Otis's oxies. But other than that, I'm not roughing it with the rest of these fucking maniacs. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need the Viet Cong with their fucking jeep to take me around. So, no, I mean just like, and again, is like, like I, I got honestly playing this out in my head throughout throughout the movie. The second it things went so severely haywire with De, with LaRoche and that first meeting, like definitely not going into the jungle to fucking definitely not. Uh, we're obviously getting set up by LaRoche here, right? Like we can all agree that <laughs> that French guy's obviously going to not help us get the 17 million dollars out of here. Like. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there was a lot of warning signs where I might not have gone. Or if you're willing to spend the money to get it out, dude, just be like, look, we'll tell you where the gold is. You just got to give us a cut. Like, I don't even want to. I'm doing it from Zoom style, from the comfort of my home. I guess another interesting aspect, though, just and a more relevant to the movie in a lot of ways, but, uh, and I guess obviously neither one of us could speak from it from the standpoint of of like a, uh, being a war vet, obviously, the one of us have served in the military, but just from the aspect of like uh, 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 old Vietnam war vets even going back to Vietnam, for me, I think that would be a pretty extreme kind of thing. I don't know. I, I think that would be a, a bridge that I would not want to cross. I've literally never, I've literally never stepped foot in like a restaurant that I used to work at again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm going back to fucking Vietnam after, uh, you know. But even from that aspect, that seems like, and I'm sure it's a common thing for people to do, but I think 
Once I left Vietnam on my third thirty uh, on my third tour of duty, if I was Paul, I'm fucking never going back. I don't care that they added a McDonald's in downtown Saigon. Like, I'm not. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. But uh, I mean, you wouldn't want to check out that wacky McDonald's menu. <laughs> I mean, the Apocalypse Now nightclub lo- uh, looked like it was pretty sick, but. <laughs> Yeah, come on. You'd be dancing in the middle of <laughs> dancing in the middle of but, dance floor. I love that uh I love that scene, man. Yeah, Especially dude, the dance walk was amazing. Now. I'm literally putting that up with Reservoir Dogs and uh uh and the hangover as the greatest like walk to a movies walk to music scene. But but uh, uh, I guess I'll ask you uh, another uh, question that was going through my mind as I was watching it. And we've kind of alluded to it a couple times throughout the movie. And it's a very geeked up podcast. Uh, I guess not necessarily a Netflix and Chad kind of question, uh, but a very geeked up podcast kind of question. So we'll take advantage of it here for this once. But uh, definitely smelling some Oscar bait for De Five Bloods when we come up till next February. Uh, uh, February is Oscar season eight months from now. But uh, I expect De Five Bloods to be one of the stories of next, of next year's Oscars. How about for you? Give me some of your Oscar noms that you'd expect. Oh, yeah, man. I think this one's going to uh, be raining some in. I think, dude, honestly, this one is going to be uh, Spike Lee's best director win, finally. Uh, okay. I just think it's topical enough, you know, with everything that's going on right now. For sure. Uh, the reviews are in. I think so. I think this will actually be his win. Uh, I think it's going to get nominated for Best Picture, for sure. Uh, I'd also say it's going to get nominated Delroy Lindo, Best Actor, as Paul. I think he's going to get nominated. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's going to be two Best Supporting Actors, uh, not the one you think. But I think uh, David and Otis are both going to get Best Supporting Actor nod. Interesting. David uh, as well, Paul's his son, son. I think big time. Okay. Yeah, I think big time he's going to get nominated. I didn't I really like his son, actually. He was kind of, I felt, like a, a little bit of a weak link to the other guys for me. You know what I mean? I felt that he was a, a cut below some of the, especially uh, Delroy Lindo. He grew on me. I, I think his initial appearance, he definitely changes as the movie goes on. Yeah, like I said, even we were talking about it earlier, you know, the other day when we did our first part, but I kind of thought they were more establishing more of like a Weasley quality to him, like an untrustworthy quality at first. So maybe that kind of just threw off my perception of him because I kind of picked that up. You said that you didn't get that that feeling, you know, at the beginning that he was portrayed as kind of being like, you know, uh, uh, you didn't know if he was in it for the right reasons or whatnot, more more kind of extorting his dad, double crossing his dad or whatever. So, uh, but I definitely agree on Delroy Lindy, uh, or Delroy Lindo, definitely, uh, a serious best actor nomination territory. The other one that I kind of threw out to Devin, I would not be surprised if Chadwick Boseman gets a nomination as we see it a lot. People get the best supporting actors when you're like, you know, really he was only in the movie for 15 minutes. How did he wind up at the nom? I can't think of like a good example at the, at the, at the second, but that does happen. And I would not be surprised if Chadwick Boseman kind of got that, in this case, where just he was kind of, he's kind of the biggest name, like, attached to the project. He played kind of the pivotal role in the movie. You know, he was, like, mm-hmm. the one young uh, uh, character with the old guys. So that kind of separated him and gave him a different element or whatnot. But uh, not that I feel that he deserved it. 
uh, by any stretch, but I would not be surprised to see Chadwick Boseman, uh, just the fact that he's such a big star, you know what I mean? Literally, he was the Black Panther two years ago. He's like one For of sure. Hollywood's I... real, you know, go-to guys. I would not be surprised if he got like a real benefit of the doubt kind of Oscar nom. I personally uh, don't think he will. I'm standing by my Otis and David, either either or, but I think both. I think they're both going to get nominated. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Definitely Otis. Definitely Otis. And definitely two. I wouldn't be surprised, you know what I mean, if we're sitting there on Oscar Day and we have uh, – but, I mean, if uh, that, that means we're getting, you know, three of the three of the five bloods in uh, uh, actor-nominated categories. So. But definitely, all yeah. in all, though, and I'm sure some various other – it was such a beautiful movie to, uh, to look at. I'm sure Spike might get some other, you know, cin- cinematography or, you know, uh, writing, you know, awards. Would not be surprised if this did uh, uh, pick, up some, pick up some gold at uh, next year's Oscars. So. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think there's definitely going to be some Oscar nominees for sure. And I'm calling this might be Spike Lee's big win. I think he got uh, snubbed with Black Pan- or uh, Black Klansman. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Like you no, said, absolutely. I don't know who like else is going to be going up against him. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's uh, still very early from that standpoint. But uh, uh, you would definitely not be surprised if this was Spike's year for sure. But that will be it for the kicking questions. It's time to get us into our official Geeked Up Presents Netflix chat review of this movie. Uh, I'm going to go first because Liam takes a whole episode in itself to set up. <laughs> I know it's already been, uh, it's a long episode <laughs> with like a two day layover with technical difficulties thrown in. So, uh, <laughs> the last thing we so, can do is, uh, add any more time. So I will go first. I'm giving this one, not a Netflix and chill, but a Netflix and Charlie's in the Hills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which just basically translates to, uh, I really like this movie. Uh, was <laughs> That's what Charlie's in the Hill means? You like it? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would... That's what they're saying. Have you ever seen a Vietnam movie? They talk about movies they like. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, like I said, it's like two and a half hours long. It never felt like that. There was never a point where I was like, oh my God, they're going to wrap this fucking thing up already. Like, I was yeah, great call. the whole time. Um, I liked the story. I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I knew the basic plot, so there was definitely some points where I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know there was going to be, like, modern-day, like, firefight scenes. It wasn't just – it was, like, an adventure story. It was, uh, you know, I just really liked the cinematography of it from the scene of them uh, dancing, like we kept talking about in the nightclub at the very beginning together. Yeah, yeah, like for that. sure. I loved the Delroy Lindo, like, talking to us in the camera. It was just very Spike Lee-esque. I said at the beginning yep. of the podcast that if you just showed me a scene from this movie without telling me anything about it and had to guess a director, if you would show me that scene, I'd be like, oh, this is a Spike Lee joint for sure. Like, yeah, it just yeah, had definitely. that very director's trademark to it. Um, you know, uh, I liked the, the thematic choice of them being themselves in the flashbacks. Uh, it didn't take me out of it like the Irish, like stupid Irishmen did and like try to make them look yeah. younger. I think no, there both was me and you really point... liked that angle, which... I uh... loved it. I loved it. Yeah. 
Which I wouldn't oh, be, you know, okay. we actually did talk to some of uh, uh, some of our peeps on our Friday Zoom room. That was actually one thing that was thrown out there a couple times that people didn't like. And we got into earlier on, but it, uh, it had a pretty uh, bad Rotten Tomato meter in me and you were surprised. So maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of one of those like things that, you know, was uh, uh, very up for interpretation. Both me and you really, really liked that angle. But uh, other, I, we, we've heard some negative mean- feedback about that as well, so... I do, yeah, I know, and I just think that just breaks down to people are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it while they're looking at me over Zoom, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but like, sorry, Scott and Sean, <laughs> but uh, but um, but just I like it. I think there was a point too towards the end of the movie where they do show a picture of all them from Vietnam, and they are all de-aged. And I was just never looking at that and like, oof, dude, that could have been the movie we almost got. Like, that would have been so stupid. Well, I don't like, think I, I don't remember that. I didn't pick, I didn't pick up on that. I, I did. I was like, oh, there it was. Uh, <laughs> Spike saw that was the picture that Spike saw before deciding to go. You know, why don't we make them old guys in the flashback? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I just think, like I always kind of say, I might even said at the beginning of this. It's always nice when we get, like, I mean, for all first thing, I'll call it, like, a real movie. Like, not an <laughs> yeah. XOXO. Not a choose-your-own-adventure like, novel? <laughs> yeah. Like, when you get a movie like this, man, it's just, like, one of those diamonds in the rough where it's, like, oh, fuck No, yeah. for, it's like, a great way to put it, but it was like watching a real movie, which we don't yeah, always get exactly. on that. And I guess just to it's, take it from that, I mean, like, our last couple was Bandersnatch, Spencer Confidential, and Extraction. Like, this is a much different movie than Spencer Confidential or Extraction, let alone Bandersnatch. <laughs> and let alone Wrong Missy. You know? <laughs> yeah, Wrong Missy, too. Well, I could see some spade Oscar bait with, uh, for Lapkus, anyway. <laughs> Best... Dude, that would be my favorite thing in the world. Best lead <laughs> female. Beach Delroy Lindo at the Oscars <laughs> for the Wrong Missy. Yeah, seriously. The Black Lives Matter people would have a serious argument if uh, Spade beats uh, beats Delroy Lindy. uh... (laughs) But really, like, we knew what we got ourselves into starting this podcast with, like, we'd be watching a lot of shit movies. So, again, like, it is always nice when you get, like, one of these. For sure. uh, Just, like epic like really good cinematic experiences like For to sure. go back also like our normal question and the kitschy question section of it is would you go on seeing this in the theaters uh i definitely would have you know what i mean and oh yeah for sure i'm kind bigger of bigger than life kind of feels super the intense you know for it yeah, that's a good call, man. Honestly, hopefully if the world is all cool by, you know, February's Oscar season, I wouldn't be surprised if the February if the some of the Oscar movies or some of the movies that missed out on a theater run maybe get a little theater play a couple week release here, you know what I mean? That might be something mm-hmm. cool to look forward to that I just made up on this spontaneously on the fly <laughs> and a, a, a just a breath of hope. But that'd well, be kind of cool. Much like the uh... Or flavored ice cream. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Netflix and uh, Netflix and chat ice cream, y'all. But I guess that'll get me into my review, where, as Devin alluded, a little bit more of an elaborate system. I, of course, give you my four-point audio scale. All right. Where if I absolutely hated it, I give it a Nick Cage from Mandy. If I didn't like it, I give it 
The David Alan Greer, Damon Wayne's Men on Films hated it. Hated it. If I uh, if I liked it, I give it the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell yeah! Oh hell yeah, brother! <laughs> and if I uh, uh, absolutely loved it, I of course give it the Rudy's Dad. This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. And I guess this one, I'm going to be honest, man. This one took a lot of deliberation as it was a very, very close call. However, maybe not in what you think because it was not close as to whether I was going to give it the stone cold hell yeah or the Rudy's dad. But in fact, the deliberation was if I was going to debut a new sound clip and give it the <laughs> Dr. Dre hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> With all the bitches saying, swing the <laughs> But I was going to go and give it a Dr. Dre hell yeah. Hell yeah. But I, uh, uh, upon further deliberation and a full uh, now two days of thought with a clean bubbler in the middle, I am willing to settle on giving Spike Lee's to Five Bloods a Rudy's dad. This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. Nice. <laughs> I'm shocked. I thought you were honestly saying you were going back and forth between a hell, hell yeah and I hated it. My jaw was about to hit the fucking floor. I mean, I love setting up how much I love the movie and then giving it a hated it. That's one of my favorite Netflix and chats. No, but I uh, I really, really loved it. I wasn't sure if I was, you know, uh, as of course we know on this show, uh, 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 the Rudy's dads are very, very rarefied air. So far, the only I've only given a Rudy's dad to the Tiger king which let's be serious i mean uh if there was ever a rudy's dad but this movie i really felt just uh, uh really just hit on all uh uh just on the movie just really really hit on all elements uh, kind of just to piggyback on you know everything you were saying but the acting was amazing the story was real interesting the film choices i loved like uh, like you know we were saying not just the old actors but as well i really liked as we talked about but like the uh you know old school vietnam movie soundtracks they would kind of cut into some of those scenes were mm -hmm. great as well i really like the history angle of it showing the uh, uh black history leaders and those little uh, uh takes showing more contemporary times uh, uh or just you know black history in general or the trump cuts but it really kind of just added to that spike lee feel where you just knew uh. it was spike lee's version of a war movie and that's really just what i loved about it they did a great war movie while keeping a spike feel and having that social relevance and what i love so much in movies is when they convey their point uh, uh, and you know convey all of their social relevancy while in the process making a great movie which is what spike did too often these movies mm -hmm. that have Agreed. culture like social relevance you know that's what they like a uh, um like a uh, like i'm crashing or uh, uh what was the movie crash Remember the Oscar? Yes, yes, yes. Crash. Uh, uh, like a movie like that, I didn't really like because it was just kind of too much playing into, hey, I'm going to make something that's important in the world. Spike made something yeah. that's important in the world while also making a fucking badass World War, uh, a Vietnam, you know, war movie. It was fucking great. Yeah, so, you're right. It was, uh, it was definitely great storytelling. And like you said, comparatively to Crash, like Crash was so obvious, like 
what every character was supposed to be like. For I'm sure, or even like guy. Green Book I'm, last year. It was a great movie, had social relevancy, but it was like they set out to make a movie that was, a, you know what I mean, a socially relevant movie, mm -hmm. as Spike did. But Spike also was able to do that, you know, while conveying a super interesting, you know, action-packed, twist and turns war movie, while also giving you Black History, while also giving you like cinematic greatness. Like he just really hit on uh, on all angles for this one in Again, my book. So. Uh, that's something I really liked too. We talked about was those. Uh kind of history drops and again another zoom room complaint was from a couple of people was like look i'm trying to watch a movie not get a history lesson i know and predictably again, enough ron the say, waiter wasn't too uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> no shit and again i just say like you're an idiot <laughs> i mean i will say i guess to give everybody the benefit of the doubt movies can be kind of uh atmospheric to time and place for you you need to be kind of prepared for this movie if you're looking for you know what i mean a rambo style war movie it's not you know but you then what were you what did you think you were gonna get when you you know saw this but that spike lee was uh, it was a spike lee joint so but i can understand you know like look spike lee movies aren't for everybody you know what i mean so i I'm surprised that they're not for 58% of the people <laughs> that Rotten yeah. tomatoed it. You know what I mean? But uh, I thought it was, you know, I don't want to say perfect, but I felt it was definitely a Rudy's dad. I don't think that you can make a movie that's much better than this. You know what I mean? So, no, agreed. 100% agreed, man. This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. So I guess... And I guess that that'll get us into the next Rudy's Dad nomination, which will be yeah. our... Uh... <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, this is one of those rare times that we uh, both really agree, like the same kind of walk away from it. Okay, yeah, is, that's uh, true, always, too. Always good. But, uh, you know, that's our official review. The only thing that would leave us next to do is to find that Brad, uh, what's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah. And... You know, this time we were kind of uh, thinking about going old school and just daring the COVID and reaching into the box and finding out what we we're going to watch. But like we said, we started this on Thursday. It's now Sunday when we're finishing this up. And lo and behold, in that time, that Friday, a new movie <laughs> came out on Netflix yep. that uh, is immediately getting the gold <laughs> ticket award. So if we immediately get getting the spade treatment and uh, watching as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, the next movie we're going to be watching, the Golden Ticket winner, is Eurovision Song Contest, The Story <laughs> of Fire Saga. <laughs> Which is, of course, the latest Sorry. from Will Ferrell, uh, uh, mm -hmm. early 2000s legend turned into kind of a, a character journeyman. So, uh, super excited. He's a very interesting you know, personality, as me and Devin will talk about, and just, you know, comedic figure in the last 20 years. So uh, uh, that'll be, from that angle, it'll be interesting. It looks like it's just a totally batshit crazy Will Ferrell movie. Of course, Eurovision, if you're not familiar, but it's like a super famous uh, uh, TV contest that goes on in, in uh, Europe for, it's like, mm. you know, uh, kind of like an American Idol kind of thing, yeah, but a sure. European version. So... Yeah, it looks, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be giving out these pretty dead, but <laughs> it's definitely going to be a departure from the five bloods, that's for sure. Yes, uh, that's true. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not dreading it. If it's like but that's what, Netflix, hours, that's what Netflix is good for, you know? One week, the five bloods, the next week, the latest uh, uh, hilarious character from Will Ferrell, so. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I guess with that, look forward to that. Of course, remember to check out our five-year anniversary special that just came out. Um, big thanks again to everyone that was part of our Zoom rooms every Friday night. We will be coming out with more stuff this summer for, uh, on Zoom. For sure. We'll talk about that more on the next episode, but since uh, since the technical difficulties slash bubbler break uh, uh, took hold, we have had our last Zoom room, so big shout-out again, and thank you to everybody who's participated in that, but we'll get into that more next episode. But I guess with that, uh, that'll be this episode of Geeked Up Presents Netflix Chat. I'm Devin Barnes. That's Liam Whalen. Let's uh, go ahead and take us home now, Dr. Dre. Hell Just another motherfucking day for Dre, so I begin like this. No medallions, dreadlocks, or black fists. It's just that gangster glare with gangster raps. That gangster shit makes a gangster snaps. Uh, word to the motherfucking streets. And word to these hype-ass lyrics and don't fix that I hit you with that I get you with as I groove in my phone on D's. Hitting the switches, bitches relax while I get my proper swerve on. Bumping like a motherfucker, ready to get my serve on. But before I hit the dope spot, gotta get the chronic to Remy Martin and my soda pop. Now I'm smelling like Indonesia. Bus stop full of fly bitches and skeezers. On my dick, cause my foe won't hit. Pancake front and back, side to side, and all that shit. So when I crawl, I comes correct. Now if your bitch in my shit, it's your bitch you check, nigga. But let the Chevrolet slide. As I dip and make a trip to the south side, yeah. Rolling in my sixth foe. What all the bitches saying? What's up, y'all? This is Mr. Woo Baby himself, Andre Davi. You're listening to the Geeked Up Podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah, I'm still taking those episode 10 emails, y'all. Woo!